Good morning. Today is Monday, February 26, 2024. It is 9 a.m. and we are in the city chambers and I call this city commission workshop meeting to order. Commissioners present are Commissioner McDowell, Commissioner Langdon, myself, Mayor White, Vice Mayor Stokes, and Commissioner Emmerich. There is a quorum present for this meeting. Also present are City Manager Fletcher, City Attorney Slayton, Assistant City Clerk Powell, and Board Specialist Bodemir, Police Chief Garrison, and Fire Chief Titus. The chiefs are in the house. Uh, could I call on Police Chief to lead us in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Chief. Do we have any public comment? Yes, we do. Uh, Tom Linz. Good morning. Uh, my name is Thomas. Um, I'm part of a local business group. We represent almost 50 businesses. And our public comment is that uh, we think that with world-class growth in a world-class city, that we deserve a world-class headquarters and setting for our police. And we think it's pretty simple that we should get ahead of the curve and be ahead of the growth and, and not wait, uh, you know, uh, this is, this is, we don't think it's just for business. We think it's for everybody. And we think it's a common sense type of value. So pr pretty simple comment, but uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you. Lee Gines. Yes, good morning, and thank you for giving me a minute. I'm actually the president of the local chapter of BNI. BNI, for those of you that don't know, is Business Network International. Over 10 million uh, strong as far as members, and our local chapter is Master Connectors. Um, and we, as Thomas had mentioned, have almost 50 businesses that have chosen to do business here uh, in Northport. Um, a lot of us have families that's in schools, a lot of children in there. And number one, safety and uh, we support the Northport Police Department and uh, the challenges that they face ahead of them. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Joseph Majorino. Joseph Majorino, 2747 Rumble Lane. Um, 
I'm here to support the police. I, however, I, you know, just look around the country, you see the crime, you see what's going on. It'll happen here eventually. Uh, we have, we have doubled since I've been here in 2005, the police station went up in 2006. So with the projections now, it's going to be a lot more people here. I, I, I just, for me, the homeowners, I don't know if it's going to be, it should be all on them. I'm thinking you guys, you know, I know you guys don't like to answer questions. Same thing. I was here the last tax meeting. We had a problem where, where we got to talk to like children. I think you guys should really get together and be creative. Maybe another penny tax. You know, that would be a shared, uh, possibly um, empty lots, $50. Because you, you, you're not to, to pick up on, on, uh, on some of what the homeowners would have to bear to keep that price down a little bit. Um, I just read an article in Sarasota where they're using penny tax on 100 million for this building, 100 million for that building. I understand Sarasota County is a lot bigger than Northport as a whole, but we're talking about, what, 122 million? One building. Maybe even, uh, I don't know if there's a way to invest some of the money short term while it's, while it's in whatever fund. So you can capitalize on that money I don't know, but I, I, I think that to get the people to vote for this, you're going to have to uh, work on it. I mean, you know, I, I agree with it. I, I agree. We have a great police department. So, I, you know, we'll see when it comes vote time, but I think you guys got a lot of work to do. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That is all, Mayor. Oh, that's all. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So we're gonna join to move to general business. And first on the agenda is 24-0283. Uh, discussion and possible direction regarding the processes and procedures for adoption of the Unified Land Development Code, also known as the ULDC. Um, City Manager, this is your item to introduce. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, we put this item on the agenda because it was suggested that it was put on at an earlier time and our staff needed that time in order to make sure that we were complete with our implementation plan that needed to be discussed with this item. Uh, since that time, the commissioner has also included this item on March the 5th agenda. So we would ask that this item be discussed on March the 5th and not on today. Oh, okay. Do we have to have a consensus for that or are we okay? I'd like to talk, it's my agenda item. Sure, go ahead, commissioner. So as the city manager alluded to, um, I originally submitted this agenda item back in February 5th to be discussed at the February 13th commission meeting. At that time, the city manager advised me that he would place my request on today's workshop since we would be discussing chapter five. I advised the city manager that my agenda item and discussion points would require motions and formal votes. Our policy prevents formal action or direction to be given to charter officers during workshops, and we could only obtain consensuses. We went back and forth, various emails on that discussion. Ultimately, it was placed on this agenda. And as the city manager said, I have already placed it on the discussion for March 5th. So there's no point in discussing it at this time. Okay. Madam Mayor. One, one point of clarity that the commissioner continued to leave out 
is that while we disagreed on it, we asked the city attorney for her opinion, and she agreed with the pathway that I proposed. All right. Thank you. So that will be on the March 5th agenda. Uh, do we have any public comment? We do not. Okay. All right. So we're going to move to item 24-0347, discussion regarding the new police department headquarters project, options for cost size, including funding challenges. City manager, take thank, it away. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I appreciate it. We have a PowerPoint that I'm going to walk you through. And first of all, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Mayor um, and Commissioner, for the opportunity to continue this important conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about the design options of the new headquarters, as well as ultimately direction on how to fund it. Uh, today, we have our police leadership, Chief Garrison, Deputy Chief Morales, as well as our public works project manager, Ms. Kim Humphreys, our consultant team who been working on with the design from um, Schinkel Schultz, as well as uh, finance and everyone here who can answer hopefully a lot of questions that you may have. The purpose of the workshop, as the commissioner read earlier, is for us to have a very good discussion. There's going to be a lot of questions that we are going to have from you, and we're going to do our best to answer them. And what we don't answer, we will provide to you before you make your official action on March the 5th. All right, so during last spring, um, you gave direction for us to move forward as we discussed the lack of um, space and challenges in the current age of our current Northport Police Department. Simply put, we've outgrown that current headquarters. Um, our team followed your direction and purchased new land, an eight, a 19 acre, acre parcel for what was then going to be an 80 to $95 million um, police station. That's excluding the Emergency Operations Center. On March the 5th, you will see coming before you our suggested plan on how to get the Emergency Operations Center, the EOC, off of this project and into its own project without having to rearrange or ask for any more funding. We actually did um, rearrange surtax, but our surtax questions and discussion will follow us shortly. So as directly, we did proceed with the design work with our consultant, and they will go over a portion of this presentation and how they recommend that we move forward as a city. The city of Northport's population is now approximately 87,000 people and counting. By the time we have a new headquarters, we will be closing in on 100,000 people. The need to equip our law enforcement with the necessary resources to enforce public safety is higher than ever. During the fiscal year 23, this board supported our Northport Police Department with a budget amendment and added officers during the fiscal year 24 budget, you continue to support Northport Police Department by adding 16 officers in alignment with the consultant's recommendations to right-size our police staffing numbers in a few years. We are all thankful to you for these prior investments for our team, our citizens, and regardless of how the discussions uh, go, there's no one who can question the support and commitment of this board to our police. On behalf of all of us, I want to say thank you. I also want to thank all the officers and law enforcement who are in the audience today. We appreciate you coming for this very important topic as well. Commission, we recognize tough decisions are being placed on you, and there is no easy way out. But we're glad that you're here having this conversation today. In this timeline, you can see that the land purchase last July in today's commission's workshop. Next will be a regular meeting discussion on March the 5th. 
On that day, we will ask you for your decisions on questions related to the police headquarters and how you would like to pay for it, which will be discussed in the upcoming bond referendum. If the commission decides to continue the pathway for one or more referendum questions, there will be a first and second reading for the language to be approved to send to the supervisory elections by their August deadline. The general election in November will be the time that the questions will be provided to our citizens for their voting. It's important to note that the second reading is most likely where we will be able to only put out facts about the police headquarters and not be able to proactively discuss the project and only provide information requested of us. We have an extremely strong Northport police leadership team, starting at the top with the chief. His concern for his team and the community are unwavering. We are very fortunate to have him leading us on a daily basis. The police department submitted its annual uniform crime reporting, UCR, to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement on February 9th, 2024. The report shows that while crime is up 9.35% compared to last year and is up 17% over a three-year average, violent crimes are down on both comparison periods. Non-violent crimes as well over both comparative periods. This can be attributed to the increase in larcenies and motor vehicle thefts. For part one crimes, which includes your violent and burglary crimes, had a seven and a half clearance increase over the past year. Part one crime arrests are up 6.55% over last year. Last week, Chief Garrison and the police command team attended the Florida Commission for Law Enforcement Accreditation, FCLA, and the Florida Telecommunications Accreditation Commission, TAC in St. Augustine, Florida. History was made on February 21st when the Northport Police Department's telecommunication became an accredited, accredited telecommunication center for the very first time. This was the goal of the chief to have this center separately accredited, and it was a success on the department's first attempt at applying to be accredited. The next day, on February 22nd, 2024, the police department was accredited with making this their fourth consecutive accreditation every three years and advancing from Excel. Ex, Excelsior, Excelsior status to quadruple accreditation status, which takes the North Force Police Department to one of 18 law enforcement agencies to hold such a prestigious accreditation status out of 373 law enforcement agencies in the state of Florida. The McLaren Willen and Laurie Architects in Public Safety completed a space and staffing study on the growth of our police department in our city and to include our, up, our increasing calls for service. They provided a strategic plan and roadmap for the department to follow on where it needs to be and where the department needs to grow into the future. Currently, in this fiscal year, our department sits at 144 sworn and 52 civilian officers. In October of 2023, the Department of Justice awarded the city of Northport with 10 additional officer salaries. It's only $1.2 million from their federal COPS grant. This department has been putting in for this grant for over a decade, and every year we're denied due to our department and city being safe with a low crime. However, with our city's new grant team, the department was able to justify the need due to the tremendous growth in our city and its, and its experiences with the support of the Police Benevolent Association, the PBA president. The federal DOJ awarded the city of Northport 10 additional officers. This now brings the department in current fiscal year to 154 law enforcement officers and 52 civilian placing department only seven and 11 uh, staff short of the projected benchmark for 2025 staffing needs, which has a very positive influence on our budget conversations as we go forward. 
There's been a lot of conversations about the history of the funding of the police department. This slide here only shows you that it is not a new topic, one that the commission, our team, our chief has been talking about for quite some time. Even after we had the workshop and the meeting last spring, we knew that there was a million dollar price tag associated with this project. And as you can see in this current year's budget, we had future funding identified as $101 million. Now I'm going to pause here. I'm going to turn it over to our consultant team at Schenkel Schultz. They will provide their presentation, and then I will follow up and close the presentation. Hello, uh, I'm Aaron Jacobson. I'm with uh, I'm an architect with Schenkel Schultz uh, Architecture, um, and I'm here with Dean Roberts from MWL, and uh, we're going to talk about the Illinois Port PD and the EOC. Some of the agenda topics that we're going to hit on right now is going to be a little bit of the staffing projections, the original budget summary to give you an update as to what uh, kind of where we were. Dive in quickly to the EOC, uh, show the site plans, some exterior renderings of what that is looking like today. And then we'll really kind of get into the crux of the conversation, which is PD headquarters. Uh, some of the prevailing questions that we had after uh, the March presentation that we had, um, some budget updates and uh, some additional growth assessment and renderings and, and kind of what those budget impacts will have on the overall facility that we've been working with the department on. So I think, um, we want to pick up with the last time we were here in front of you in March of last year and touch on some points just by way of uh, remembering there. So that's where we, that's why we labeled it where we were, right? Where we were as a, so I think that staff organization and deployment is such an important issue. So my firm, MWL, who's partnered with Aaron's firm, Schinkel Schultz, uh, we specialize in police facilities. We've done more of those in North America than any other firm. And one of the things that we often find is that we, in the early planning stages, we kind of uncover the facts that help us make good plans for the future. And when I began to do that work in Northport, I realized this community is the fastest growing community I've ever worked in, in many years, many decades of doing this work. So what I've learned is when you get into a community that is growing that rapidly, you slow down and you dig deep into the facts so that you can prepare yourself to plan wisely for the future. And um, one of those has to do with how is this police department growing? What are the staff? Uh, I just learned there's 196 people now. And like last year, the year before, you were at 180. And that's just step by step. It just continues to go. And the reason for that is because the population growth is is both steadily and will continue to be steadily uh, growing. And at year 2070, the facts are showing population is going to be 330 to 340,000 people in Northport. And that's hard to wrap your head around. But uh, we, we still need to think about what are the steps we take to get there, you know. And so as we've done that, we've... Um, done a deep dive into information about population growth and staff growth. So as of uh, 2022, 180 people, 
The projection for 2035, you can see, is a significant step up to 371. A midterm milestone of 2050, 561 staff, and then the long term uh, at 27, 922. Of course, that's divided between sworn and non-sworn. And I think as we made our presentation in uh, in 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 March of 2023, uh, the, the emphasis of the presentation is hit that midstone mid term milestone of year 2050. And um, so, so I think that allows you to plan ahead. Uh, the piece of property that's been acquired allows a future growth beyond that to be accommodated. So that's a really good thing when you pick the property. But the question continues to be asked of us, what about 2070? How do we plan credibly for 2070? And are there steps we can take be good stewards of the money and set ourselves up for long-term success. We know that if we spend a little bit less today to plan for the future, it'll pay us back many times over because the costs continue to rise as the years and even the decades go by. So, um, so at the point we were, uh, as the city manager had already touched on, is we had we did a space assessment for the police headquarters and the EOC. You can see what those numbers are there. Um, and we did a budget. And so there's the rate. We, at that time, we talked about a range of the budget because it was pretty early. It's hard to predict extremely accurately at that end point. But those are the points that we, the slides in the information we put in in the presentation we shared with you in, in, um, in March of last year. So, um, yeah, so let me just say, go, can I go back? Okay. So, Again, I just want to emphasize, and maybe we'll talk more about comparison with other communities. Part of what we did in uh, that deeper dive of the data is we wanted to compare Northport with other communities, either communities that are similar size or communities that are actually ahead in growth, because that comparison really matters. And here's so when we do that kind of comparison, we look at population, of course, right, but historical and future population. Some cities are about to be built out, whereas Northport, the numbers I'm hearing, is 30% built out. That's a fact that is significant. Another fact that's important is land area. Uh, <laughs> Northport has 104 square miles. I, I don't know if you know, but Fort Lauderdale has 33 square miles, and St. Petersburg has 61 uh, of land area. So interesting the potential for growth in northport is just so so significant um yeah so i this is what i do all the time so i don't want to talk about it too much but it's important to understand the broad context of planning for the future so that being said so uh with that in mind we're going to take a little look at the eoc kind of where we are today uh we've analyzed the site which is directly to the west of the existing fire station 81 site um, we have about a 15,000 square foot facility. It's all single story. Um, you can see the site plan uh, here where we have uh, private parking in the back side of the building, safe and secure away from the public parking on the front side, uh, some small retention that's uh, out in the, the front corner there. Um, and the idea is just to, to, to maximize the footage of the, the property itself and, and minimize the overall cost for, for you. Um, here's next exterior image. You can see this is the street side where the public will see it as they drive by. Uh, there's very minimal windows. You can see those black strips there. They look like they're all tall windows. They're not. There's some punch, small punched openings within the building. 
uh, and some metal panels just to create a little bit of accent to it. But other than that, around the perimeter of the building, there are no windows to keep it safe and secure for all the occupants of the facility. And then diving further into the headquarters. Um, Again, this is harkening back to the presentation we gave in March of last year. Uh, at that time, it was just before a site was acquired by the city. And so we were using a prototypical site to model how much land area would be needed when you were, you know, go buy a site and how the site, the property might be best used both in the, in the near term, this project that's going to be done now and then allowing land for future growth. At, at that time, we, um, we had these questions that weren't answered yet. You know, uh, shortly after that uh, presentation, the piece of property was identified and then acquired, but we didn't yet know how the building was gonna fit on that particular piece of land. Uh, so that was a reason to commission the, the further study of the design team. And then how can we plan, plan for growth beyond tw year 2050? That question uh, continues to be asked. And so we wanted to address uh, some credible ways to do that. And that's part of what the design process can do. And then in the, in the process of moving from a planning study to a design study, uh, are there other project elements that should be considered? And I think that's often the kinds of things that are uncovered when you move from a planning study to a design study. And so we did discover some items. And so here's what those things look like and they have an impact on the budget. So the piece of property that we bought is in a very strategic, that the city bought is in a very strategic location, uh, but it has wetlands uh, on it. And there is a cost to mitigate those wetlands and we need to mitigate the wetlands because they take up a proportion of the site that we need to put our building and our parking on. And so there's a cost associated with that. You can see there, uh, and of course, extending utilities to that area of the city that is not fully developed yet. So there's 5 million there. I, the other things that came, uh, to light is the building size increased. You know, there's like this 5% increase when you kind of do a deeper dive into the information. So we realized that really we're wise to plan for a little bit more space, um, the shell space. So here's where we began to dig into this question of how do we meet the, the needs beyond 2050? And one of the things, one of the strategies that's applied in the design and construction industry is to build what they call shell space. I'm sure you probably have familiarity with that, where you essentially build the enclosure, but you don't finish out the interior. A lot of uh, growing communities have taken that strategy. And what it does is it locks in place a footprint so that when you are ready to expand into that space, you don't have to kind of shut down operations of the building in order to build a new building on top of or beside a building. So it's a good strategy. The other thing it does is it addresses the reality that um, building code changes happen. For example, the building that the police are in now, there's been building uh, code changes that would, if that building were remodeled and expanded, they'd have to do significant upgrades and improvements just to comply with the new building codes. When we build shell space, like the strategy we're looking at here, we overcome that challenge. We take away that risk of building code changes that might force us to redo that or, or redesign it. So that's this shell space. If we can extend from 2050 to 2065, if you see we're looking at trying to extend the useful life of this building out to 2065, it does come with a cost. And we'll talk more about paying that much now saves you a lot of money in the future. 
there was a special office in SRT garage. We There's an operation that the police department does that needed a little bit more space than the original study, the impound lot. You know, the police department carries the responsibility of preserving uh, things that are seized uh, as evidence in like condition so that at the end of the court proceedings, they can return it to the owner uh, and still be in like condition. And so the, the impact of that was uh, a little bit greater than was initially intended. Uh, there was a new up vehicle upfit garage. So what happens as you may be familiar already is the police department buys vehicles, then they have to be kind of custom upfitted to perform the police mission, right? So there's technology, there's other pieces and parts that are added uh, and it's, you know, it's a fairly uh, laborious uh, in, uh, process, and that is always going to be due somewhere, you know, but if the question came up, hey, what are there efficiencies to be gained if we do that on this new site, even though it wasn't included in the original, there might be some advantages wow. to doing that. And so you can see there's a cost associated if the choice is to add that on uh, on site fueling station, you know, um, there's there's some efficiency and functionality benefits having that on site instead of across town or some remote location. And finally, the perimeter fence, we, with this piece of property that's been acquired, you know, there's residential properties nearby. And so how we kind of screen this facility from those residential properties really matters. And, you know, we might need to do some screening that is like a wall that was originally we were thinking just a basic fence, right? So again, we're trying to understand each of those elements, assign values to them. Uh, and so if you see that number, there's 22.6 million added to that original budget of 95. And so that's the math for how we get to the 122.67. I'd like to add a little bit more. We've also uh, contacted multiple CM partners that have built uh, various police stations around the state uh, and kind of vetted these numbers against what they've seen. Um, and there's, there's a variety. Uh, it all depends on the scope that's in the facility that they're constructing. So it, it's hard to compare apples to apples when you don't know the full scope of some of these projects. You might hear a number and that sounds really, really good, but at the end of the day, you start looking, they have a firing range that we don't have at our facility. They might have a 200,000 square foot parking structure that's not in ours. And all of those will affect that bottom dollar of what that cost per foot will actually equate to. Um, but as we take the information that Dean just outlined for you, and we kind of look at what those key elements are. This is a site plan with North being to the right-hand side of the page. Um, I'm gonna reference Plan North just being straight up as we talk, but you can see the police headquarters is planned at 109,000 square feet. This meets all of the needs that they would have um, today and that future growth up to 2065. As if, if you account for that yellow highlighted area on the floor plan, which is that shell space that Dean just outlined. Um, that space really provides all of that flexibility at what would be your cheapest cost per foot to build today versus building it down the road. And, and we could talk a little bit more about that on, later in the presentation. But essentially, this would include a 7,400 square foot uh, SRT garage up on the, the plan north uh, side of the site, along with that upfit garage of 5,200 square feet. Uh, it would include a enclosed and covered impound lot to make sure that all of the, the evidence vehicles that are being stored are protected from the elements and they are able to provide back a light condition vehicle uh, when the time comes to, to, to return them. Um, you have the fuel station there just to the to plan south of that covered impound lot, um, a central energy plant for all of the chillers and the, um, the generators that are gonna be required to operate this facility. Um, and what you're seeing there in pink outlines some kind of covered parking stalls um, 
that the, the police officers can park at and they can uh, get into the facility uh, out of the, the rain and the weather. Uh, but essentially, you have all of these items, ample amount of parking for the, uh, the operations. It includes the wetland mitigation and the fuel station that I, I already kind of mentioned. That is the $122 million scope that we're looking at. We think this meets all of the needs for now and in the future. And it, it's a really critical and, and it's a good opportunity for the city uh, to, to really evaluate this, op this option. Um, what does that look like? Uh, here's an exterior image of what that facility could look like meeting that $122 million budget. Um, you can see it, it provides a nice, strong presence off of uh, Toledo Blade Boulevard. So it really gives a, a face for the, uh, the police department and the, the community know that they're here to protect and serve and, and uh, something to be proud of as, as they're operating here. Here's an up-close uh, entry point where you would walk in. Uh, there's a little bit of a plaza, and this is the uh, secured entry where you, uh, the public could check in. There's community center, a lot of other uh, benefits uh, that this facility meets. Um, a, a glance at what that lobby could look like. Uh, this is not the lobby, but uh, kind of a precedent image along with some inspirational like materials that we're looking at. So some concrete textured walls, maybe um, a, a mobile hanging from the ceiling that uh, really speaks and, and gives pride to the, to the department. Uh, and, and kind of a color palette that aligns with that, that blue color that everybody knows represents the PD. What does it look like if we do reduce down? Um, we took a look at the $100 million um, option, and what happens here is you're gonna, you're gonna, you'll notice a lot of things are no longer included within that growth opportunity. So the headquarters drops down to about 100,000 square feet. Uh, you still have the SRT garage. Your shell space, the yellow, it reduces down to about 6,000 square feet. So what that means is there, the growth is no longer the 2060. It takes you to the 2050 mark. So there is some room baked in there. Um, you, you have your, your parking, but you'll notice that it's reduced down and there's, there's little to no covered stalls. You have some directly adjacent to the, uh, where the police officers would be coming out of the building uh, for quick reaction to any kind of calls that they may have when they're in the, the headquarters. Um, but you're, you're losing that 9,000 square feet of the actual headquarters itself. You're losing the, the upfit garage. So, it would still be required somewhere uh, off-site to be able to take care of those vehicles. Um, you're going to reduce the impound lot down to what would just be a covered impound lot with a chain link fence. So those vehicles are still covered, uh, but they're not ne necessarily protected against the elements as they would have been in the, the other uh, option. Um, and then again, you're losing all the covered parking and, and the fuel station would be something that they would still have to go off-site for. Um, the key with this, with the, uh, the, the shell space reduction, um, just kind of doing some math on that, what that would equate to is right now you're looking for the shell space today is roughly $300 a foot to, to build out the shell space. If you don't do that and you look to build that same amount of footage down the road, um, it's about a 30, uh, total $30 million project cost. And that takes the uh, cost per foot that we're looking at that we vetted against with our CM partners of 700 a foot. And you take that amount that comes out to about $21 million. You add in soft costs, and then you add 6% of cost escalation that you would have per year. And if you built this in 2030, you'd be looking at three times the amount of what it would build to take to build that shell space today. So just trying to be stewards of the dollars of, of yours and the taxpayers, you know, it, it's something to consider as you're kind of moving forward with the project. As far as the exterior impacts, what does that do to it? The, the red boxes signify, uh, are, are identifying the areas of where that shell space is. So those spaces beyond that red box, those would go away, that would become sky. There would be some additional 
design modifications that would need to occur to the facility itself. And you can see an aerial image there that just kind of shows, it, it's hard to show all of the impacts on just this one view, but that shows the depth and how much footage you're actually losing by choosing not to build that shell space today. We've also been asked to look at a $78 million option and a $50 million option. Um, and, and you can see what this basically equates to is an 80 million, oh, I'm sorry, 80,000 square foot headquarters, um, code minimum parking for public and PD and the wetland mitigation. All the other items are going to be lost. Um, the $50 million option, it takes you down to about 48,000 square feet. And really all that does is meet your current needs. These two options after our analysis and all the conversations we've had, these would, would be kind of a waste of uh, taxpayer dollars at this point to move forward with this. Uh, we do not recommend it based on our professional opinions. Um, we really truly feel that um, the 122 is, is going to meet all of the needs that you need now and into the future and going to be the most cost effective. But if you were looking for a bare bones minimum of what you would construct, the $100 million would be absolutely the minimum that we would recommend. Um, and with that, I will pass the phone. <clears throat> Thank you so much. That was great. And I know there'll be questions for you from the board as we uh, continue. I believe we are on the last slide. And this last slide is regarding funding sources. And just like the tone of the meeting and some even um, public comment, all options need to be considered at this point. We're at a point where we need to figure out this and the least painful way possible. If we were to keep uh, the building that the current police reside in, our growing staff as a city would need to utilize that space and it would save us the opportunity of having to go out and find more space for other departments not in the police department. But if you sold it, you could sell it for $7 million and that might be able to contribute towards um, the new police station if you so desire. Um, but we wanna make sure that we talk about all of our options, including, you know, the city owns some land and parks, and we have recently tried to attract some development such as Italy Avenue property. The city might have an appetite to sell some of that property to help reduce this burden of cost. Um, but we're, but again, we're trying to put all options on the table. So I'm going to stop right there, Madam Mayor, and turn it over to you for your questioning session. Um, that's it. There's a lot of people here to answer a lot of questions. All right, thank you. A um, lot of numbers, a lot of information. Um, so, yeah, let's start with uh, with questions. And um, <clears throat> Commissioner McDowell. Could you remind me, please, um, what is the existing PD square footage? 32,000 square feet. It's not counting the parking or anything like that. It's just building. That's just uh, space okay. under roof. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that reminder. Kind of puts things into perspective. <laughs> um, when I was going through the PowerPoint, I kept going back to two questions. In the $122 million, is that including the EOC or is the EOC additional? That's, that's going to be separate. So the 122 is So what about EOC? Because I thought they were combined projects. City manager said earlier that that's going to be brought back to discuss those funding issues that 
that's eventually going to be pulled out of this project. Curious, how much or have we even explored what EOC is going to cost? We, I think we found 12 million or 15 million. Uh, 11 to, yeah. yeah. I believe it's uh, March 5th that that's coming back. Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, the property that we purchased over off Toledo Blade, when you were talking about the site needs, when we gave the green light for that property, we also discussed possibly having a future fire station on that same property. Is that still in the works or? No, that, that's not going to be able to fit uh, on that property because of the uh, wetlands. So you're going to have to turn your mic on so we can hear you guys. Press the little button that's. Oh. All right. Okay. Because I guess yeah. it's not picking up. Yeah. So it's maybe. It's supposed to be red or green. It's supposed to be red. They're on. They're on. Okay, um, maybe they can turn it up back there. All right, so the fire station is now off the table at that property. Is this going to be part of the discussion on March 5th as to where we're going to be putting a new fire station that's needed out there? Um, I'm going to ask Chief Tice to come down and answer that question. Thank you. Scott Titus for the Fire Rescue District Fire Chief. Um, right now, because of the development going on at Toledo Blade and I 75, uh, we are in the process with uh, working with planning department and developers out there. Um, first development that's coming in, um, we've required them to do uh, basically a study, which will tell us um, where the best location for that fire station is going to be. Somewhere in that area, but we don't know exactly where. Some of that will depend on um, how that road network develops. Right now, there's three proposed developments going in out there, and those road networks don't really tie into each other. So that's one of the things that we're trying to resolve before we commit to a location. Um, but we're going to be working with the developers on a developer agreement to try and secure a location for a station out there um, that would be independent from the Sounds great. Um, maybe IT can turn up these mics a little bit. I don't know about my fellow commissioners, but I'm having a hard time hearing you guys. So I'm sorry. Were you able no, to hear? I, guess, I, I, I got your answer, but it's straining to hear. And I, I'm sure the audience and the public that are listening might have a difficult time. So but thank you. Um, all right. Kudos on the accreditation, not only for telecommunications, but also being quadruple accessible. Excelsior. They got to change that name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the so I, I just am flipping through my little tabs. The consultant mentioned that if we were to remodel the PD. Not that I'm even suggesting it, but part of the plan was to have you guys move out of that station, go into a new station, and then city departments would move over to PD. 
but the consultant said that if you did any remodeling to PD, it would have to go up to and include new Florida building code requirements. So now I have to wonder. Well, let, let me clarify. I hope you can hear me. Um, yes, we can there now. There are requirements uh, for a police facility that do not apply to okay. another city facility. So that's, I, I, sorry I didn't mention that, but that's a kind of a clear line that the building code has. Okay, so just make sure that I'm understanding. So if we remodel PD for PD purposes, it would have to up, up fit to Florida building code. Well, hardened if, building is, hardened hardening building. is the hardened. correct terminology. Yes. But if we move a city department, I don't know, parks and rec or building or something over there, we do not have to increase Florida building code requirements. That's correct. Thank you. I'm glad I asked for that clarity because that might have changed the whole thing. Um, Mayor, I'll yield. I, I'm curious to hear some of the questions from my fellow commissioners, definitely comments. And um, are we going to be talking about the financing part that was the referendum backup material PowerPoint? at this because it really applied more to PD than any other referendum discussion. It's a separate item for the bond referendum, ma'am. Okay. I'll yield. Okay. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Emmerich. Yeah, I only had one question and it's probably for the city manager where it stated in the slide presentation about the utility hookup. We're currently running the utilities out to Toledo Blade, and it was about a $4 million price tag. Is that what it's going to cost, where the line's in, and what we're hooking up to? Because I don't know if that was taken into consideration with the sewer, water and sewer going out there. So I can speak on that. So as of right now, it appears that the utilities are bringing brought out. There's a, a transition from like a four-lane down to a two-lane road. It looks like that's where it's going to be capped at. Taking from that location to our site, including all the requirements for the fiber and the dark fiber that would be needed for the police department itself and all those runs, that's where that price tag came from. Okay, so that's including other things besides just the utility hookup for water and sewer. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I just want a clarification on that because it was a fairly high number, yes. you know, so I just want a clarification. So thank you. Yes. But, all right. Commissioner Langdon. Oh, I'm sorry, Vice Mayor. Uh, question for Chief and Deputy Chief. Which option of these various options do you, as our professionals, recommend? Hmm. You know, it's just because we're sitting in that position right now where the uh, there was a lot of forethought in the future. So I, I would say that, you know, our first option would be, if, if I had every wish that I had, would be the $123 million price tag because that was the initial project that everybody on the team uh, worked hard on trying to project out what tomorrow's going to look like and providing those needs. Appreciate that. Second question I have is, um, can you speak a little to the issue, and, and, and I've had conversations with you folks about it, um, a school of thought is, why wouldn't somebody else build it and we lease it and not have to make the investment in this project ourselves? 
I asked that question. I got what I thought was pretty satisfactory answers, but for the public, for the rest of us, um, could you speak a little to it? Because I, I think there's value in, in yeah, I would love to. However, I know my deputy chief is itching to uh, respond to this <laughs> this question. So, it, it was a great question brought up, and um, it's been looked at uh, through many chiefs in many cities about P three uh, build for having a, a developer or someone to build it. Um, and in the research we found is that when you go that route, because everyone's in it to make money. So the developer, when they build your building, they're going to get money up front and they also get the money of the interest, right, in the long run. But they need to get the money up front. So what agencies and cities have learned, um, one of the big cons is that they'll build it for the cheapest with equipment, so on and so forth, that go in the building. I'm sure they, they can sit here and tell you the same thing because they're in it to make that money and they want some money up front, a good chunk of it. So they will, they will look for every cut corner that they could on a building versus when we go it we build it with you know manager at risk an architect firm you're going to get the best of the best for the taxpayers money that's what i've learned repeatedly through other chiefs going to that's why we go to these conferences that's why we network that's why we ask all the questions and the chief has tasked me on this to just get these answers and find out so that was one of them and it was kind of a don't go that road don't go down that road let me just expound on that a little bit. You know, so they deliver this product, right? Well, once you get into that building and you start learning all the deficiencies and all the shortcuts that were made, now you're coming back to the commission asking for more money to make something right. So in the long run, you're actually spending more money, but up front, it looks like you're spending less. Appreciate that. I think people needed to hear it. So uh, um <clears throat> I think it's a, to reiterate, I think it's, it's the P3 is not a bad idea when it comes to a police public safety building. That's a building you don't want to, you don't want to cut corners with, you want to use the best of the best equipment, state of the art and the, and the right materials and equipment for hardening a building like that. Appreciate it. Yeah. The final question, and, and again, I kind of understand the answer is for the public, you know, there will be questions. Is, they're not naive questions, but but for general public, sometimes people see it that way. They 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 look at this and they say, "City wants to spend a hundred million dollars plus on a new headquarters. How's that really translate into safety for our citizens? I mean, shouldn't all police officers be in cars driving around, like arresting people who are breaking the law? How's having this big headquarters gonna?" help us provide greater safety for our citizens. I understand it. And I would think a lot of people, if they thought about it, would. But without doing a real deep dive, if you could give us a feel for the direction police work is going, because it is transitioning from, you know, from the beat cop to a high-tech kind of approach with 104 square miles strategic targeting is important and if you can talk a little to it because i think it's it's worthwhile for some of those people who really don't pay a whole lot of attention but will when they realize we're looking for a hundred million dollars plus to finance this project right well you know uniform patrol is the backbone of any law enforcement agency right that's what the people see at the end of the day when someone picks up the phone and they call 911, 
They want someone to show up at their door. So that's, that's what they see. They don't realize all the hard work behind the scenes that's being done inside a police station. Right, most of your uniform patrol are out in a car driving around. But you have your dispatch, that's your lifeline. You have your detective doing all the hard work. You have your real-time intelligence center that's it's analyzing all this data that's coming in and out. You have your property and evidence that's being done in those buildings. You have your records management, your body cam stuff. Every Everything is housed in that building. And right now, you have it completely condensed or displaced throughout different areas where those operations are not being done efficiently. And I think if we operate in an efficient manner, we will provide a better work product for our citizens. Appreciate it. That's all I have, and thanks for all you guys do, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you. Good questions there, Vice Mayor. I appreciate that. Um, Commissioner Langdon. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, first, I, I just want to make a comment. I support a new facility, and um, there's no question in my mind concerning the need for a new facility, and I want the very best for our men and women in blue. So for me, there are just two questions. One is how big do we need to go now um, with, with this facility, and how will we pay for it? So that's where my thinking um, has been focused. Now, my questions are a little bit all over the place, so I apologize for that. Um, first question for city manager. In your presentation, you referenced some crime statistics. Were those Northport specific? Were they U.S. It, averages? It were Northport specific. Okay, thank you. Um, I have one EOC question. I know that's really not on the table today, but we were talking a little bit about um, retrofitting the existing building and what that would cost and having to bring it up to code. Does that also apply to using that building for an EOC? It would. That would be considered a critical facility. Okay. Um, question for chief or deputy chief. Can any of the groups in the current building be left behind in the existing building without major impacts to efficiency? So administration, telecommunications, could any temporarily for the next X years be left behind without huge efficiency impacts? I, you can't accomplish the efficient, efficiency if you're going to start displacing all your your uh, units and divisions. Can you talk a little bit more to that in terms of how telecommunications would be impacted, for example, if they were left in the existing building? Well, they, they have a vital role in our working with patrol, so a lot of times they have to interact with patrol officers with stuff coming in and out, um, and your detectives... Um, sometimes when critical incidents are going on, it's, it's easier to manage that critical incident for man-level uh, personnel to um, come into the comm center and be there while things are unfolding. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Vice Mayor mentioned uh, a P3, and you did a great job of answering 
the potential negatives of going in a P3 direction, but, but there's another way of doing it, which is a leaseback. So you can get <clears throat> another organization to foot the cost, get exactly what you want, and then we would pay an annual lease. Have we looked at that as an option? It would preclude this sort of huge outlay of funds and would enable us to pay that over time. Um, now we have that in the second presentation as at the end of the funding options for you to choose from. And at that time, we'll discuss some of what I've found at this point in time. Okay, thank you for that. Commissioner, mm -hmm. can I interrupt you real quick and go back sure, to your other oh, question? Absolutely. The other thing about what you're saying is the thing that we have to be concerned about is the redundancy. And when we start operating in multiple um, areas like that, especially when you're bringing in that heavy technology of telecom and all that other stuff, you're having to reproduce a lot of uh, stuff that we're paying for. So in the long run, you're, you're paying a lot more money than you would if you house things more centrally. Okay, thank you for that. What about 911? Um, in the past three years, I've heard a couple of complaints from residents of the city that they were put on hold when they called 911. And, and it might not be common knowledge that our calls are routed through the county first, and then dispatch happens locally. I hope I'm describing that adequately. Does do any of these do any of these proposals incorporate the possibility of our bringing nine one one into the city? I know it's it's way premature to to think or discuss that, but if that became a reality, what kind of impact would that have on our resourcing requirements? And on these proposals, so currently 911 is run by the county. Right. Uh, the sheriff's office handles the. Uh, he's responsible for handling right. the 911 call center. Um, if the future projected to where we would take over 911 calls, you're not looking at a uh, critical infrastructure change with the police department. It's it's a matter of we have the technology in place because we receive 911 calls from the county. All right, so the 911 technology is already coming to our building. Right. It's all technology based to where they flip a switch and those calls are triangulated back to the area of Northport, <clears throat> and we, we would take those calls if that was what the future right. handled. So it's not like we're going to have to go out and build a new building or anything like that. So we would be, this, this dispatch center is being designed for the future of us being a big city. Right. With big city, you have big call volumes, and all that comes into play. So yes, everything is being laid out to where if that was the case, then we're ready for it. Um, I wouldn't have brought it up. It's just over the past few years, I've heard one or two complaints. I was really stunned at our last Northport United um, meeting <clears throat> that three residents in that room had recently had issues, and and that really caused me to pause a little bit. Um, and I think we really need to look at that and we really need to track that and make sure we plan for the city assuming those responsibilities at some point in the future. 
Um, Madam Mayor, I'll yield the floor. I may need to come back. I have a lot of comments, but, but I'll okay. hold those. Thanks. I had some, some questions. The, we saw a brief presentation with the EOC building. So uh, the only option for the current building is to sell it. That wouldn't be used. Or is that what the EOC building would go? And, you're talking about the current police building? Yes. Like the current police building and the EOC are two totally separate. Right, but would, but they did have a, a picture of the proposed EOC building. Yes, the original, um, the original conversation included a new headquarters and a new EOC. So based on what we've done in the land they purchased, their police station would go on their new land, and Just we would put an EOC on our existing land. Would that be utilizing the, the current police no. building, or no? That would be a whole new building. Yeah. I think what I think what she's what the mayor's alluding to is <coughs> you put on there that we could sell the police station. So there, I think there weren't it, any other I think options. That was, that, was, that, uh, that was an option for the commission to consider. Right. That we could sell the police station for $7 million and use that money going towards this new product. Right. Right. Okay, but that was the only option for that building, is just to sell it? No, no, no. no. That, that's an option if, if you're talking about funding, right? Right. We could come up with $7 million put towards a new project by selling the police department. However, okay. if you do that, that takes that away from the city to be able to utilize that building for any other type of city purpose. Well, that's what I'm, I'm asking about. What right. would be some other options to use that building for? Well, we as the city staff don't recommend you sell the building. Let me be clear. Okay. Because we, in the other departments that we have, are running out of space as well. Mm -hmm. So we would be able to repurpose that site or that building right. for other departments and some of this. But we don't know what those would be right now. Right. I wouldn't commit any department okay. to that okay. location at this point. In time. I just wanted to see if there was anything else that was, was out floating around out there. Okay. And if I may add on that building too, I know the CM said it's $7 million if you were to sell it. The Shingle Schultz also put a, a number on that, not as a hardened building, but if you were to build that building again, not a hardened building, it would be about $30 million of today's money to build that building again. Right, because it would have to be, you would have to it's retrofit it and all Correct. that stuff, yep. right? Okay. Um, and then either way, whether we go for the high end or, or not, we, we're still short money. So I, my, I, my main question is about the millage rate increase. Are we going to talk about that now? If I just wanted to know, would that be listed? Because it says here that would be used towards a bond if we wanted to go that route and have the millage that increase pay for that. Would that be listed separately on the tax? Like that's only for you pay that bond, such as when we get our tax statement now, there's a little thing for the legacy trail. There's a little thing for environmentally sensitive lands. Right. We know that they don't lump that all in that county tax rate that's, that's added separately. So would that show this way as well? We'll have to find out how the bill is actually broken down in its line item status. We don't know that right now, but we'll, we'll try to find out. Okay. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking in terms of talking about that this, the, uh, the $122 million option would take us out hopefully 30 years, which means that that millage rate, whatever, if we go that route, would be on there for, for that duration. Um, and I just wanted to, to see if people would know that's specifically directed towards this this building here. Mayor? Yes. But, um, the firm just wants to permit that well, 122 million will take you to 40 years. Oh, now it's 40 years. It's 2065. Okay. okay. All right, I was just looking at this thing, city growth of 30 years, okay. 
What a year. Okay. Uh, we have no idea what, what's going to come down the pike as far as technology. I mean, even when that the current building was built, there was no way that anyone could have even thought about what we have available now, what you need space for, um, what you because we didn't know about it back then. But um, I will make a comment that I, I am a big believer in penny wise, pound foolish. You know, when you try to make something work that it wasn't designed for, you end up spending a lot more money and time to make things work. And I got that impression by doing the tours that you're, you have all these things scattered around and it's really not working efficiently and effectively because you're just making something work rather than just, you know, biting the bullet and getting what you need. So um, I'm just curious how the conversation is going to go to get, get this done. And... I think that is all my questions. So, Commissioner McDowell. I just have a few other little follow-up questions. Um, when you're looking at the growth to 2050, right, um, the budget sheet shows this costing about $115 million, right? Like, there's a lot of things that are not included um, and that there's a list. Is it possible that those, they, they appear to be more outside of the main building, like covered parking, and then um, a shell space. I, I get shell space is part of the main building, but there's other buildings that are outside of the main building. Could those be done over time? They, they could at a substantial cost increase. So that, that's kind of what we were looking at and why we uh, we chose those elements to get down to the 100 million because those would have the, the least disruption to the operation of the department itself to build those mm -hmm. later on. Um, some of those facilities like the, the SRT garage are critical for the operation of the facility. So we left that part. Um, but yes, they could be built later on. That's why we were saying the 100 million would be the least you would want to go. Um, uh, the shell space is where it's going to have the most impact uh, and long-term benefits of the of the city. So when I when you were giving your presentation about the covered parking, um, help this non-Leo person understand the need for covered parking because you have your covered parking. But then you're going out in the elements to offload whatever you needed cover parking for. So help me understand that need. Part of that discussion is is these officers have to bring in not just the officers but other support personnel. They're bringing in high dollar equipment uh, like tech services. You know they're bringing high dollar equipment to them from their car for repairs. Uh, the officers are bringing in evidence stuff that's being seized out on. Um, I'm seeing back to the station and they're having it offloaded from the car into the building. So as we know, it rains a lot in Florida. So potentially, you know, your evidence could be damaged or lost in transit. Okay. And that is exactly why I was asking this question, because when if you put up that diagram of the growth to 2050 or even the other diagram, it's covered parking. There's no way to get it into the building without going into those elements. So so I think the bigger question, and I know this is for design, but I want to plant the seed now because maybe it might help save a little bit of money. A sally port, a, a rounded kind of drive where you can 
come in, it's all covered and you offload as opposed to covered parking, get your stuff together and then carry it in, in the rain. So, so there is a sally port in the design that, that would account for it. It's on the, the, the west, the northwest side of the building. It would come in on the, on the right entry road. It kind of goes through the building. So there is a sally port there. That, those covered parkings would be for additional operations as they're getting out of the vehicle, taking their laptops and they're placing things aside. It, it's now sheltered from the elements. Then they can gather it and they can quickly run in. We could provide covered park, uh, walkways that lead to the building. Those are things that we could dive further into. Yeah. Right now it was saying, let's, let's look at the elements that are gonna be critical for the, for the operation at this point. It's probably worth pointing out that the Sally Port's primary function is to serve uh, arrestees. Yes. Area, and then whether you're gonna be tested for DUI or whether you're gonna be held for questioning or held to be transferred, that's the primary function of that. And because of that, it's sort of way over here on the main. So I think the purpose of the covered parking uh, is is different and it serves the patrol officers, okay? I think your point is well taken though, is you've got to traverse from where you park to get into the building. I think that's an underdeveloped part of the design which you're wise to point out. Mm -hmm. So to make it really successful, we got to kind of connect the dots here. So that point well taken. But I think it's not, using the Sally Port instead is probably not a scenario that makes sense. <clears throat> and, and I appreciate you hearing my concern because when I saw covered parking, I'm like, a lot of good it does. I can only hold an umbrella and so much stuff to get into the rest of the building. So yeah. thank you for hearing that. Um, the, the other question I have has to do with kind of what the mayor alluded to, 2065, 40 years from now so far into the future that I don't even think the Jetsons could have planned that. But if you look back 40 years, where we were 40 years ago, yes, we were in a very teeny tiny place off of uh, Biscayne Boulevard. We got this building and that building opened in 07. So call it, call it 20 years. Look at how much technology has changed. I'm not even talking growth, I'm talking technology. I'm talking about the requirements that the PD is supposed to have now because of societal changes. If we plan 20, if we plan 40 years from now, how do you plan for something that you didn't even know to plan for 20 years ago? So help me get past that. That's a great question, actually, because you know when we I've been doing these police facilities for a long time. And to your point, a lot has changed. If you look back 20 years from now, things were done differently. And so things in the future will be done differently. But honestly, I believe that the shell space is a credible response because you're not committing yourself to the technology in that space. You're just committing yourself to an enclosure that you get at a reduced price now, and then you finish it out to meet tomorrow's technology requirements. We, so, we all hope that technology will be even more useful to us in fulfilling the law enforcement mission in the future, right? But we don't have to commit to that technology. We're just building a shell space. And so I think that that's, a to me, quite a significant fact in could we be planning for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, right? I think if we were to build the whole thing today, and not shell space, but finished out, I think that we would be overreaching by going this far. However, this is that interim strategy 
that allows that really allows you a great strategy. And I guess the other thing that again emerges in my mind, or not emerges, it kind of shines brightly, is that the it's the data from Bieber, you know, which is a pretty reliable source, says that the growth is going to continue at a steady and rapid rate for Northport. If and so we can't not hear that. When we do hear that, we have to figure out, okay, how can we best use our dollars today to plan for the future? So the shell space is a kind of a strategic tool to help us address that concern. And it keeps open exactly what that space is going to look like, which is the challenge is not like when RTIC was put into that building, they had to do a bunch of work. Well, that work wouldn't have to be done when you finish out the shell space. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, like the LPR location, what did you call it? The RR? Real-time intelligence. Real-time intelligence. That had to be retrofitted, whereas if we have blank shell space, they could fit it according to that real-time center. Okay. Thank you correct. very much for that. I'd like to add too that we were very strategic with where the shell space was located. If you notice, there's mm -hmm. shell space on each end of the building, on both floors, and even some on the first floor. So it was so that there's growth opportunities wherever it was needed, and that flexibility of how you need to design it. One of one of the big tremendous growth commissioners, if you remember, what started all this, and then we dive bigger into you have a really big problem was property and evidence. This started with property evidence, um, and that first floor's growth. To take us there is that shell space for property evidence to grow into the future with that that room because that's what that's where it became critical for us um, and then of course the entire building became a priority um, as well so property evidence on the first floor has also shell space to take us into um, you know 40 years gotcha. thank you so much um, mayor I believe that's all the questions I have I'm looking forward to most of my questions has to do with how we're going to pay for it and I think that's everybody up here so I look forward to that conversation okay Commissioner Langdon uh, yes mayor I have no more questions I just wanted mm -hmm. to make a quick comment if you're open to sure. that um, in looking at the options um, 2030 isn't an option. By the time we ribbon cut this building, it's going to be 2030. So that's, in my mind, off the table. Um, 2070, you addressed um, my thinking exactly, which is why would we want to build out to 2070? Our current building is only 20 years old, and it's, just, it's not just a matter of we need more space. We need a totally different configuration for that building. So I love the idea of the shell space. Um, one of my comments coming into this meeting is we need to do whatever we can to accommodate expansion. And that seems to satisfy my need to see that kind of flexibility. So I'd be interested to hear what my fellow commissioners say. Um, the 2050, I'm very comfortable with that option with the shell space, um, and that's sort of where I'm settling. So for me, um, I agree with Commissioner McDowell. My interest is how are we going to pay for it? One point of <clears throat> clarification, uh, we talked about shell space, and there's kind of like two scenarios of shell space, a little bit or a much more bigger piece. And that's there is a little bit of that built into the 2050 scheme, as you saw with the little yellow highlighted areas. There's a lot more built into the, the uh, 
the larger scheme. So you may have already picked that, but I just wanted mm -hmm. to comment on that. Thank you for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the 2065 plan, I'm seeing 300, I'm sorry, 30,600 shell space, like empty space. That's correct. But in the 2050 plan, which will bring us approximately 25 years out, I'm only seeing 6,000 square That's a, one of the main differences between the two plans. Yes, okay. that's so 6,000 is not very much space. I, I, Sorry, guys, I always refer to the Dollar General because I know that's 5,000 square feet. <laughs> that's not that much space. <laughs> point of reference, 6,000 square feet is what our Will and Park substation is. Okay. That side of the station, yeah. Yeah, and, so, and it's not very much space. It was taken up like that. Um, and, you know, I, we'd if, if, that. if I may just real quick comment, when we, when the city planned the police station that opened in 07, there was space. They planned for space and it got gobbled up before everybody moved in. <laughs> so I am really afraid if we go to that 2050 and only have 6,000 of un- unaccounted for space, shell space, that would get gobbled up too. If I could add something about this shell space and growth. So being here, you know, 20, you know, coming my, start my 25th year here soon, got having to see going us from starting on Norport Boulevard, our size going into the police headquarters, we knew then that we were going to outgrow this in a few years, but it was the city at, you know, was in a fast pace at that time. Um, the opportunity was there and they went with it. They gave us expansion options for that building, if you guys remember. But the problem is the money now today, the building codes now, they would have to re-gut that entire building, expand, and it almost cost as much as a new building to stay. And that's where the decision was made by commission to like, it makes sense to go through for a whole new building. Chief and I's position with this 30,000 square feet is that we, we don't want to make the same mistake as history has taught mm -hmm. us. We want to, we're not going to see this 30,000 square feet. We're not going to be a part of that. A lot of this command staff here is not going to be here to see those decisions being made. But what we're doing is leaving a roadmap for our successors to tell us, this is what we did for you. We know we're going to grow. Take it from here and follow the future. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do here. And the cost of what that is, like Shingle Schultz is telling you now, $9 million for 30,000 extra uh, shell space today, dollars. In 2030, it's 30 million, but it might be 2035, 2040. That's not 30 million anymore. That's probably 45 to 50 million. So that's that's what we're trying. That's it, it makes sense, and that's what the chief and I have been pushing for. It only makes sense to don't let history come back and repeat. Let's leave our successors, our future chiefs here, and our future law enforcement to make those decisions moving forward in the future. And they can look back at all of us and say, "Man, they thought of that. They did a good job." <clears throat> okay, Commissioner Langdon, did you have another question? Yeah, I'm, I'm a question and a comment. I want to thank Commissioner McDowell for reminding me how limited the shell space was in that 2050 proposal, and I yep. totally get. Um, do you roughly have an idea how, in today's dollars, what a square foot of shell space costs? As 300 is the number we're using. Uh, it goes up slightly because there's what they call other project costs on top of it, so it goes up like 15%. So it's 300 times, you know, it's 330, 340 
at the bottom line cost. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you for that. That's all. Okay, um, city manager, do we, do you, are you looking for some consensuses here or do we have public comment first before we do a consensus? Uh, if you'd like public comment, we do have one e-comment. Okay. Uh, from Bobby Shadi. Uh, when it comes to our police department and public safety, we need to consider full funding of our police department headquarters at the largest square footage, approximately 130,000 square feet into the year 2065. The 100,000 square footage considered now will not be enough until 2065. We can add another 30,000 square feet for approximately $9 million now. Can you imagine what the price tag will be once they've outgrown the 100,000 square feet? At our rate, at the rate the city is growing, this will definitely be needed and will save our citizens money in the long run. If an increase in millage rate is needed, I don't think any citizen would mind paying around $150 a year more for a police headquarters that will not be outdated in 30 years. We are the second fastest growing city in the country and we need to keep up with that growth and our police department. Currently our police are using trailers outside of their headquarters and are using closets for office. This creates a morale problem and it is extremely important to retain the officers we have along with adding officers due to the massive increase in population. Let's not skimp on our public safety, do the right thing. Thank you for our, your time. And we do have one in-person public comment from Mike Manales. Oh, that's an R. It's oh, Morning, Commission. How are you? <clears throat> Mike Morales, Northport. It's tough decisions, right, that you come across when uh, we're talking about these uh, dollar figures, right? Being one of the longest standing businesses in Northport, I've seen a lot. The one thing you don't mess with is the safety of our city. If anything, our history and current state of our country has shown us is just that. We need to overpromise, not underdeliver, when it comes to the police and predict the future growth and possible crime, not try to catch up to it like it's been in the past. The last I looked, we were pulling over 2,000 permits per month in the city. If that continues, how will we catch up? In just four years, that would be over 100,000. And that could be just building permits. There could be three or four people in those houses, population-wise. It's a job as a commission to be good stewards of our taxpaying dollars as well as our safety. The money that taxpayers will pay per square foot now will be far less than what it will be down the road to build what they will need then. Paying possibly $400 more per square foot is not being a good steward of our money in the future. Look at the current building we sit in now. Departments in this building now need additional space. The PD that currently is we have now could occupy that space or the building department. Now we'll have to make the same mistake again, protect, <coughs> protecting the building's build out and not only build it as it's needed now, we need to build it as it's needed going into the future. You have to plan for the future. We're the second fastest growing city, as was just stated in Florida, but actually not just in Florida, but in the whole United States. Northport's the top location for U-Haul with one-way transportation. Everybody's coming here. I do not know in all my years 
the Commission has ever caused an issue providing more for less when looking at our tax dollars and future safety. So I'll leave you with this because I know this is a tough decision. There's never a good time to make a bad decision, but there's never a bad time to make a good decision. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Failure is when lack of foresight meets reality. Thank you. And that is all. Okay. All right, so do we need a consensus about uh, choosing a model so we even know what we're talking about at this point, or? I don't think so, Madam Mayor. I think okay. once you have the bonding conversation, which will tie the funding into your thoughts of what you want to um, select or think about it, we just want to give you the information, make sure that you have enough questions and answers so that when we bring this back to you on March the 5th, you can then make your decisions as a body as to what size you want and how much you're willing to pay and how you want to pay for it. Okay, will that also include then the reshuffling of the surtax and all of that conversation about those details? Well, we're going to have that, that conversation time? right now. Oh. Okay. In the bond referendum. Oh, that comes, okay. All right. Mayor? Yes. Since it's almost 10.30 and the next conversation is going to be quite lengthy about yeah. the funding options and, and right. conversation details and stuff, maybe we could take a 10-minute health break and then sure. move Thank on to that. Thanks for suggesting that. Yes, okay, so let's do a 10-minute break, come back at 10.34. causing flooding as well. Public Works does a lot of work before the storm to make sure that our water levels are as low as possible so we can handle additional storm surge and flooding in our water systems. If you want additional information about that, we have a great video about our water control structures and you can visit the Public Works website. My name is Devon Poulis. I'm the Aquatics Manager within our Parks and Recreation Department. We're here today at the Northport Aquatic Center just to talk to everyone about our Float for Life program. We recognize that nationally, unintentional drowning is the leading cause of death for children that are under the age of four. So we have an awesome program here called Float for Life. Float for Life is a program that we teach that starts with the fundamentals of floating before we actually learn something. Okay, it is 10.35 and we're reconvening for our workshop. I think we're moving on to the next item, right? 24-0341, discussion and possible action regarding potential referendum language to amend Section 1.02B of the Charter of the City of Northport related to the city's authority to issue general obligation and revenue bonds. So, City Manager, take it away. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, this is a continuing conversation. We do have a presentation that we're going to walk you through to talk about a little bit of the history of the bond referendum request, what has been done, some decision points that will um, 
overlap and tie directly back to the conversation you just had regarding the police headquarters. But if we begin with the slide and show on our screen, there we go. All right. Um, just for a little bit of history here, um, it was November 8, 2022, when the commission regular meeting directed staff to start the process of discussion regarding a referendum that will go out in the next election cycle to change the charter to allow the city to issue general obligation bonds in the future. Uh, in December of 2023, uh, during the commission workshop, the commission gave the following consensus. There was a consensus to direct the city attorney and city manager to come back with proposed charter amendment language based on option one for consideration with some cap, cap limits for review. Um, then on December 20 of 2023, the Charter Review Advisory Board um, reviewed the proposal to the amendments and the, their following action was taken. They recommended that they did approve the language um, that we agreed upon, except they wanted a debt limit of $25 million with an annual increase based on the Consumer Price Index. Um, and the city agreed with the majority of the language, but amended the 25 to $28 million per project and that was essentially following the model of the county. Um, also, also, the city charter should be further amended to limit any such debt issued to prior of October 1 for the $28 million for, um, that's for public safety beginning at that time period, but the disaster recovery would not have a limit in our proposal. Um, city staff, in coordination with the consultant and stakeholders, uh, will conduct educational and edu educational campaign regarding the following referendum item change, and the referendum body, the referendum ballot questions. Sorry, staff is going to present them for your review, and we would put the final version in front of you in June of 2024, authorizing them to be placed on the ballot for November the 5th. Sorry about that. Um, just as a brief reminder, the general obligation bond and a geo bond is a municipal bond backed solely by the credit and taxing power of the issuing jurisdiction. This is the main way that a large number of projects and large projects are funded through government. We currently do not have any geo debt at this time. Uh, below is a chart that shows the debt that we do have, which includes uh, transportation improvement assessment bonds and revenue bonds. Here's a breakdown of the annual impact and cost of these outstanding debts that we have. And you will see that it is going to be really low compared to other municipalities. Uh, it also reflects that a lot of the improvements that has occurred in the city over the years has been done so without incurring large sums of debt. And the city has shown its fiscal responsibility by doing as much as it can without adding new debt to our citizens. There are other debt instruments that come up in conversations that we've had as we've explored this topic, one of being certificates of participation. Um, the COPs is a type of finance where investors purchase a large share of the lease revenues of a program rather than the bond being secured by revenues. Capital lease, it was actually mentioned earlier as well, is, is when an agreement in which the grantee acquires the right to use the capital asset for a specific period of time without obtaining full ownership in exchange for periodic periodic payments, regardless of the tax status of the transaction. 
At this time, we do not believe Surtax uh, is an available uh, source to pay for these two debts if we were to go in these routes. And to be perfectly clear and transparent, these two items, if they are decided to explore, we would need to ensure that legal counsel and probably with outside legal counsel agrees with that. I have, I myself have talked to individuals who said they believe this is a viable pathway in Florida, but based on our charter, even, even after them reviewing our charter, the city staff would not feel comfortable unless attorney and her team blessed going forward in that direction. Um, so right now is a great time for the city of Northport to be in a position to borrow money. Our median income as a percentage of the U.S. median household income has risen each year since 2017. And comparatively, this measure for other AA-rated cities and counties is on the decline. Our estimated full value of property is $115,000, which is higher than other comparables as well. And due to our low amount of debt, it is no surprise that our long-term ratio of 145% is lower than comparables of 244%. So if we're going to borrow based on the time that we have in this economy to borrow, we are in a good position to do that at this point. What you see here is the village history for the city going back to the year 2000 to current years. What you will see and notice are the spikes and the dips and the peaks and the valleys of what we have done. The best thing that you're gonna see on here is a four year period, especially when you look at um, fiscal year 2005, where there was a decrease of 2%, 0%, 32% 30, decrease, 9%, and then a 0% um, increase. That reflects um, a time where we actually rolled back our millage rate um, and now you also see sort of rolling it back in zero amounts of zero, but then you see spikes of nine and 12 and 11% uh, increases. What we would love to do is to be able to have a more structured amount of an increase. And some of those increases might have been tied back to public needs and specific public projects. If you decide to raise the military rate and allow it to pay for this police station, that would be tied to a specific project. But in our opinion, as we've talked about earlier, as everything continues to increase in expenses, our revenue is not keeping up with that, which allows us to be and puts us in a position where we have to raise our millage potentially for our operating costs, which we will have more on the operating side of things during our budget process. When you look at this chart, you'll see the sample millage rate impacts and you'll notice that it contains some of the numbers that you've seen and discussed Earlier today, um, the borrowing amount of the 28 million is directly tied back to the potential bond question of allowing us to bond $28 million per project. And when you see that, you see that it would be a 0 0.2050 increase to the millage rate, or in the next um, column, it will be a 5% increase to our millage rate. Uh, I'll also go to the $100 million in this particular slide because as the consultant recommended that is the floor of what we're um, recommending in front of you today, and that would be a 0 0.7320 um, millage rate increase, or if you look right below, it's a 19.43% increase, which in the cost of the homeowner column below, you would see that would be a $146 increase to a homeowner who has an assessed value of $200,000. $200,000 is not the average price of the home in Northport, but it is a number that we were able to find the figures for so you could relatively easily follow the math 
as it relates to how and what you may choose to uh, improve. And I'm sure we'll come back to this chart as you talk about some of your uh, questions as it relates to some of the Miller's possibilities as well. The general growth fund is a chart that I feel like is important as the blue line shows our increase in population as it continues to go up. But you will see that in the out years of 28 and 29, the lines sort of converge together and we're not going to have a gap in between our revenues and expenses. If we don't act now, our expenses will exceed our revenues. And then I would point you back to the bottom of this slide of 2008 and 2009, where we knew we all remember what the economy was like and what government went through and the whether it was the sacrificing of services, whether it was furloughing, laying off or not hiring employees. It was not a good time for government. And a lot of that can be attributed to the national state and climate at that time. What I am saying to you is if we do not increase our general fund revenue, we might have that situation on our own, regardless of what is going on around us. It is great and has been great for us to keep the millage rate stable for our citizens for so long. But the growth of this city and our needs and expenses have caught up with us and we must act so that we do not put ourselves in a worse situation later that would actually require higher millage rate increases at that time. Uh, continuing with the bond language, um, surtax rearrangement. This is potentially a second question that would go on the November ballot. And it would be, if the commission so chooses, do we make $50 million of surtax available and have them allow us to bond it similar to what we did with Price Boulevard in November of 2022? During that referendum question, the citizens actually gave approval for us to move forward with the bonding of surtax dollars for the widening of Price Boulevard. This would be something very similar to allow the $50 million that is available that we have found. If commission finds more or directs us to find more, then that would be a part of the conversation as well. But when you look at dollars that are available to us for these particular projects, surtax is a available option for you to choose from. If we go on the 2024 um, general election and we are unsuccessful, it may be attributed to the few months that we have of doing advertising and the board may say, create a special election to do more advertising to be in a better position for it to pass. My point in saying that is, I hope that we all agree that regardless of the pathway that we choose, regardless of the amount of the facility that we desire to be built, we must keep moving and we must do something. If we do nothing, then I think that is going to only put us in a worse hole at a later point in time. So the question is, and has been recently, is why is growth not paying for growth? And when you look at the situation with the city of Northport between our commercial and industrial development, you know, commercial and industrial development helps you by paying more in taxes per acre. Um, it pays more in taxes than they receive. And then there's a fiscal result to the city. The city has a history and the history of being prepadded in a low-density residential community has not helped us as we have tried to make sure that growth pays for growth. The city um, cannot withhold home construction permits if they comply with the comp plan, because we do hear the questions quite often, why are we still building residential? And when you look at it and you think about it, we want to make sure that we always are in compliance with the law. But doing so, this low-density sprawl has hurt our um, fiscal balance in a negative way. And that's just, that's just something that we can't go back and change. We're trying to look forward and trying to make sure 
that as we do so, when we talk about it, and we have talked about it, that the costs that we are incurring for construction right now are not paying for themselves through our fees. Our, our inability to fund the project needed to keep pace with development has caught up with us at this time. And you, as a board and a body, have gone through a lot of that history on this slide when we talk about our low impact fee percentages. Um, some of us were here in 2011, but if, we, if you jump to 2022 at the bottom, you will see that you have now actually just raised your fees in the last year or so to be 100% of what I believe to be an old number. And so at some point in the near future, you would have to have a conversation to say, well, do we want 100% of the current number? And when you look at all these things in totality, whether it's the millage rate increase, whether it's the impact fee increase, we are asking those people who are enjoying the benefits of the city to help pay for them as we move forward. And that's how we protect ourselves so that we don't actually get into a position of being behind the fiscal um, need, but ahead of the fiscal need in this particular city. So as we talked about you know, the police headquarters in the prior conversation, it really boils down to how much do you want to spend on the police headquarters? Uh, how do you want to pay for it? Um, the surtax rearrangement is something that we have proposed as a staff. Our team not only were able to do that in conjunction with the needs of our public safety leadership for the ELC, which we mentioned earlier, we also have done it for $50 million that would allow us for uh, surtax to be rearranged, mainly moving out widening of price phase two from the very last years of surtax four into the very beginning of surtax five. Uh, the military rate increase has impacts um, and connection directly to our police headquarters. Uh, I will also say again that the military rate increase for our operational needs is a separate conversation and we'll come back before you later in the budget talks. Or it might be a combination of the two. Uh, I heard a gentleman from public comment reference another surtax penny charge. We did not think of that, uh, nor did we propose that. That might be something the board wants to consider. Um, we did talk about selling um, the police head, current headquarters for $7 million, if you so choose. Also, um, also the bond referendum, how many questions would you like? The original question is the one that you sent us back for the language proposed was included in the back of this item. And it's the most current version of what we are proposing to put in front of you for consideration, which will then go in front of the voters. But also the new surtax question, do you want two questions on one ballot if you choose to use some of surtax for, for use surtax as a funding mechanism? All of these conversations have millage rate implications, but we are here to answer your questions on how do we pay and the impacts of said payment right now. We'll answer your questions and then we'll bring you back on March 5th and official action for you to give us official direction. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Okay. Again, lots of uh, good information, and I appreciate you going back into the history to see what led us to this point. One more thing, Madam Mayor. Yes. As you go on, um, Commissioner McDowell sent over the weekend uh, three questions for our team, and they were, able to, they were able to answer questions two and three. Number one would take a little bit more time, but... She asked for this information to help her with her decision-making. I'm giving it to her and all of the commission at the same time. All right, thanks. All right. Uh, okay, so we'll start with some questions from up here. 
Vice Mayor. Alrighty. City Manager, thanks for the presentation. Um, uh, just as a preface to any questions, um, subject to conversation, you touched on it regarding whether or not um, we want to entertain any impact or, or increase to our millage rate with regard to keeping up the quality and quantity of services we provide our citizens. You know, I, I see that as a, as a budget consideration as we go into our budgeting process for 25. If this conversation is about potential cost or funding for the police project itself, I see five options. I mean, there's surtax, there's grant money, there's impact fees, there's millage rate increases, and there's the potential of a penny sales tax, half a penny sales tax, if that's legally allowable. So some combination of those I see as, as the way to fund this police project. We know we need it. We want to do it right. So setting that aside, how do we pay for this? And my question is, um, without going line item by line item, because that's not really what I want to see us as a commission have to do, um, I would like staff to be able to tell us the maximum amount of surtax reallocation that could be done. I mean, if you look at the 15 years, everybody will have a different take on what projects are sacred and what aren't. But if we were to acknowledging our pillars and our priorities, there is some number from zero to maybe 70 or $80 million of surtax that potentially could be reprioritized, shifting, as you mentioned, some of it from this surtax to surtax four or five, whatever the next one is. That's one option. Grant money, certainly, we've already started to look at, and there may be the potential of anywhere from five to 20 million or even more that over a period of years we can get um, from state and or feds. Impact fees, I, I am hoping staff can present us with what's the amount of impact fee dollars that we could contribute to this project. Um, and, and then whether or not legally we could impose a sales tax, I, I mean, within the city. I don't even know if that's possible. If it is, that might be a great option um, to pay for this. It's a consumption-oriented tax, but it helps us. Um, millage rate increase. I, personally, I think we could do this whole project without a millage rate increase. I also think this project personally could be funded without having to go out for referendum just by looking at our available resources. Um, but again, you know, I, I don't have any of that information, none of it, in order to be able to assess. I, I would hope that staff could present to us a myriad of options among these one, two, three, four, five different funding methodologies to come up with what might be the best way to approach this. Because I, I, at this point, I don't really know what kind of direction staff is looking for here. Um, 
you know, I, I, I just don't. I, you know, I, I feel like we've got, we know we have a project we have to fund. We got, we got to do it the right way. Um, I am very hesitant to want to do something in the way of millage rate and, unless all the other options don't total up enough money. And, and I need those pieces and, and I don't see that at this point we have them. So I guess that would be an ask, I, you know, other than that, I don't know that I have any other real questions. I, I understand all the implications of this. I need information in order to be able to make an educated decision as to what, what's the best formula for funding this project. So I, really Vice Mayor, from staff, staff standpoint, we recommended the $50 million in surtax. That was the number that we came over with. So that's the answer to that question. Grants, we're never going to be able to predict how many grants we're going to get. You know, we believe that there will be a good amount of grant opportunities for us to continue to apply for to help with that number, but we're not going to be able to put a finger on that number prior to the time frame of you needing to make a decision. Impact fees, we can get with our team and see if the answer to that question is something that we could project to give you a certain level of confidence. I would be very careful about that, but I understand your point, especially if it can be used. I think you, your other question was to see if it could be used, if we did add a tax to pay for that, you know, directly through impact fees and not actually raising the millage or putting another burden on the citizens. And we'll see if we can come back to that answer. But of your three questions, the first two we have the answer for, and the other we will try to see if we can get one back for you. And can, you know, the concept, because you and I have discussed it at one point in time, is is can the city actually impose a one cent sales tax or half a cent? I mean, legally, can we do it? And what would be involved in doing that? Because there, you know, let's face it, things like surtax and, and sales, and I don't mean to be making speeches here, but but the dollars have to come from somewhere. And I certainly love the idea of allowing some of the visitors and guests to our city and people who consume products and services to pay for that, as opposed to put the monkey on the backs of property owners within our city. That to me would be the last resort. So, you know, again, looking and exploring all these other avenues, I think is, is, is of the utmost importance. So we can determine if it does come down to looking at, 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 at millage rate, you know, what's the real impact here? And if we gotta go out to bond, if we really do need to borrow money, then what's the right number to do it? Because we do have citizenry out there. Let's face it, we bond out. We're going to have to pay for it. We've got to pay for it one way or the other. You know, it has to come from somewhere. And and I'm not so sure, you know, you say 50 million. Um, is there more there? That's the other question I'd have. Is there more there without compromising some of the priorities within our pillars? So our exercise says there's $50 million there that you can do that, which is what we're telling you today. There's $316 million in that overall. So if you as a board said, well, we want to do all 100 out of there, that's, that's a board decision of choices between the different projects. But you will end up impacting and reducing something else in a way that we are not recommending to you today. And we would not recommend most likely that you go further than that based on our recommendation to you today. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right, Commissioner McDowell. Oof. This is gonna be a very heavy conversation. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not following. 
in the water or find themselves in a trouble this situation. rearranging of surtax um there's 50 million dollars that is planned for price boulevard for the next five years starting in fiscal year 25 going to fiscal year 29 is it suggesting are, are, is it being suggested we take that 50 million that the voters approved for price boulevard and do that at another time this has nothing to do with price boulevard's funding price boulevard's funding will be on it on its own this is saying to you that projects that are next in the queue of what surtax will be spent on would be rearranged so that we would be able to allow for the payment of uh, the necessary bond debt for the police station. Okay. Totally separate. Thank you for that because I heard Price Boulevard and 50 million, so I just needed that clarity. So Price Boulevard, what the voters approved is still moving forward as is. Yes, yes ma'am. Okay. All right. So the next 50 million, is that what is suggested to be reallocated from the list of projects for the next, you know, five years from 2030 to 2034? Without having um, our surtax expert from finance who is not here today, what she is saying is that after that, and there may be a project or two in there, I don't want to say that that next 50 would definitely go there, but the way that we have presented it, it will definitely be next in line for the biggest and largest piece of that funding that we will receive for surtax. For the police headquarters. Correct. Okay, so what, uh, in the backup material in this thing, it said something about surtax five. What is that? Surtax what? five is the next round of surtax that would right. be passed if the voters approve it once the next vote occurs. What does that have to do with PD? The price widening phase two, which was the largest chunk that was left in the current surtax, was at the end of this surtax. We are recommending that you move that to the beginning of the next surtax. Now I understand the correlation between surtax four, Price Boulevard, and surtax five. Thank you for painting that a little bit more clearly. Um, so, but if the voters approve this project list when they approved surtax, is this again is the other question to reprioritize and move it out? You said there's another referendum for surtax. What what's that? I'm trying to follow your question. Can you say that one more time? Okay. So we have a voter referendum, potentially, for the PD. Correct. Then there's a voter referendum for the charter amendment. Mm -hmm. I thought I heard you say there's a potential for another voter referendum for surtax. That would be in the future when the current surtax expires. Okay, so surtax five. Thank you. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Heidi, um, Heidi from our finance team would like to... Tag in. Good morning, commissioners. I'm Heidi Hallis. I'm a senior budget analyst in finance. Um, there would be bonding required for the surtax portion of PD in order to get the money up front, right? So surtax right. is collected annually. I think the most recent was 16 million per year. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't have that money up front. So yes, there would be a 
potential millage uh, bonding issue, and then there would have to be a bonding of the surtax portion in order to get the money up front to move forward in a timely manner, um, if that makes sense, under our current charter. Again, because it's uh, a, would be a revenue bond for that, um, and we have to go to referendum for all currently. So that referendum that you just talked about for surtax, is that using surtax 4 or surtax 5? Which Surtax 4. We can't bond money that we don't have. Correct. So then what would happen, as we're saying, so you're already going to be bonding surtax phase 1, right? And that's part of the reason why this money has opened up. Because initially we were pay-as-you-go, first 5 to 10 years would be a total focus on, on Price Boulevard, and we put the money away. And then as we were going through the process, we went ahead and went to the voters and said, can we debt finance this instead, which then opens up additional funding in the earlier years because now we're just making debt payments over the 15 years for price. So we've kind of spread that cost out. So then that opens up other options. So that makes this a potential, but then you're taking off collections that we're planning at the end for a phase two and saying, we'll have to wait to start that until... Uh, a surtax five if if the voters approve in enough you know when this one expires, and it would also remove all the projects that were listed for surtax fours projects in the future to be able to be done. So basically, what we're doing is we're taking the money from surtax four Price Boulevard Phase One has already been allocated. It's already been approved by the voters, and then potentially adding a referendum for the police station to reallocate that project list and do bonds. The referendum would be the bond referendum Correct. to do a revenue bond. We don't have to ask the taxpayer to redo the list. That's not, we're not held to the list that was <clears throat> proposed when surtax was adopted. So we shuffle all the time. You see those mm -hmm. come through your... Uh, agenda items regularly. Um, so it's not necessarily a requirement that we keep and, these two. And while we do reshuffle the surtax list, there are certain parameters that it must qualify for mm -hmm. in order to be on the list. So it's still within the body of the rules of the surtax. Allowable surtax yes. usage, correct. Um, I, before I move too much further on, I want to thank city manager for providing the amount of money collected for surtax in the past five years and describing what surtax three, four, and five were. The only things that I think would still be very pertinent is those fund balance reports for impact fees. Um, because law enforcement impact fees are to pay for law enforcement needs, which is like the smallest amount of impact. And then there's general government impact fees. So um, my next question has to do with not knowing how much is in those fund balances that'll be coming forward. Um, can you give me some ideas of what general fund, general government impact fees funds, what is it used for? Unfortunately, Commissioner, I cannot off the top of my head. But if you give me a few minutes, I can I can dig in and, and take a look. Um, okay. But thank you. Yeah, because that is like the next largest amount. And if we can use impact fees for the general government impact fees for this, that might be an option. 
Um, Vice Mayor Stokes had some ideas, some very valent ideas on how to pay for this that could be considered. Um, one of them is the impact fees and going back and redoing how much for the law enforcement impact fees. Growth is supposed to pay for growth. And the impact fees are supposed to be covering all of these needs. And it didn't help all those years that we didn't collect the, the correct amounts. Now we're making up for that shortfall um, and having those consequences. But at the same time, we can move forward. And I know there's a whole state statute process in, in re-looking at impact fees. Um, but I think it is part of that future conversation um, because the police station back when we did impact fees was to remodel. We didn't even have a dollar amount at that time. So now that we're rebuilding and making a whole new building, it, it might change things. Um, I, I agree that we may need to do a millage rate, but to the mayor's <coughs> point, how does that get, how does that look to the taxpayer? The millage rate we pay now, and then what is that millage rate going to be for PD? Is it two separate line items on the tax bill? Don't know, I, I understand that's a conversation we're gonna have to have. Because the last thing I want is it to be kind of combined so that when people get their next tax bill, they're going, oh my gosh, my millage rate went up to 5.5, whatever the amount is. Uh, why? And that's not what we want to have happen. Um, in this materials, it's showing a fluctuating millage rate based on property values. Maybe what we could do is just a flat millage rate all across the board. I don't know how that would look, how, how, that, would, how that would be. But the other thing is, is an assessment. Easy peasy, do an assessment. If it's gonna cost this much in bonds, this is how much the assessment is. And that way then everybody is paying this assessment, whether it's vacant property owners, because someday they're going to develop, or if it's existing property owners, commercial businesses, uh, nonprofits, because yes, they do benefit from the services being provided. Um, I, I, the churches, I, so there's more opportunities out there um, than just what, Vice Mayor had listed that I wanted to make sure we're possibly being explored. If we're looking at all options, to me, these are possible potential options. My biggest concern, and I have said this multiple times, is if you put this PD referendum on the same ballot as the charter change referendum, there's no guarantee it's gonna happen. I, I really, really feel there is time to put the PD referendum on the August one. Everybody loves our police department. Everybody loves our fire department. Keep them totally separate. You start commingling these kind of things, there's a potential of failure. And I, and I just don't want that to happen. I want this to stand on its own merit. And I think that it will be passed resoundingly um, once we figure out exactly what that looks like. But I just wanted to throw that out there um, because I did ask the clerk um, what the deadline is and it's August 5th that the supervisor of elections has to have it. I'm sorry, 
for, I'm sorry, I gave the wrong date. Um, the supervisor of elections has to have it for the August ballot. I wrote it down on May 27th. So it's only a few months away, three months away, but it is doable. And, and I really think that that is the route to go. Let it stand on its own merits. It, it has, a, there's an increased potential of it passing when it's standing on its own because you're, you're telling the citizens this is so important and you don't want to commingle it. So I, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I yield for now and I will come back All after right. everybody's had a chance. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Uh, we have other questions here. Commissioner Langdon. Thank you, Mayor. I, I have more cautions and comments than questions sure. at this point, yep. if you can um, give me that. Uh, again, I appreciate the Vice Mayor coming up with the five potential sources for these funds. Um, I would add a sixth, which is selling assets. Um, I know that we um, did take a look at the current headquarter building. I would not be supportive of that because we know we need that space for the growth in other departments. But we do have land, and we need to look at that as part of the equation. So I would add selling assets as a sixth potential source. Um, sales tax, I would be very cautionary having, an, even if it's allowed legally, having a um, Northport-specific sales tax. We already have unacceptable retail leakage from the city. Um, and to potentially make Northport businesses putting them at a competitive disadvantage to stores and, and restaurants and other places that are in the county, um, either Sarasota County or um, Charlotte County. We just have to be cautious about that. Um, I also am very reluctant to impact the, the millage rate for the headquarters, I, I also believe at a sort of philosophical level that growth should pay for growth, as Commissioner McDowell mentioned, um, and we know our impact fees are not sufficient. Now, in, in fairness, we are really feeling the pinch of only having 8% of our land use commercial. That is gonna haunt us um, for years to come. Um, we have plans for impacting that. It's not going to help us in the current exercise of trying to find funding uh, for the police headquarters, but definitely it's something that we need to address um, because I'm, I'm hearing footsteps. I know fire and rescue is going to be right behind because <laughs> they're going to need facilities too. And so however we approach this, we need to do it from um, a point of view that says we're not done with finding big buckets of money um, to address the safety needs of this community. Um, I would also want to take another look at surtax to see if there's any more. I, I appreciate that staff has gone through it and has found $50 million, and, and that's a good chunk 
of what we need, but is there any more that can be squeezed out of that? Um, I, I do have a question about impact fees, however. Uh, Commissioner McDowell brought this up. A um, couple questions. One is, can we legally, and I think this is a question for city attorney, can we change the percentage of impact fees that go into the different buckets? I, I also, in preparation for this meet, meeting, poked at police impact fees, and they're barely sufficient for um, buying equipment for our new officers. Why are we not charging more for police impact <clears throat> fees to address infrastructure needs um, like this? So I suspect city attorney might have um, um, input on that. Would you want to speak now to that? Sure, I can speak generally to that, Commissioner. So our impact fees, including the specific rates and the percentages, are all set by our consultant studies. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to look into that, um, you would need to get a new consultant study, and depending on what that study says, go through the entire process for us to modify the impact fees. In doing so, we would need to look at the state statute. As you may recall, that was mm -hmm. changed a couple right. of years ago right. and limits our ability to adopt new impact fees, um, but there are some exceptions, so we would right. have to evaluate right. the application of that to see what that might look like here. Um, along those same lines, if, if, if you don't mind, Mayor, I would like to also answer a previous question related to impact fees, right. and specifically our general government impact fees. That is established by code and defined by our city code. Um, those can be used for general government system improvements, and the city code defines that, that phrase, general government system improvements, as the planning, engineering, construction, or acquisition of land and buildings that add capital improvement capacity, serving new development, benefiting from the city's general government facilities. General government facilities consist of buildings and land used to provide city services to new development which are not self-supporting or covered by an impact fee other than the general government impact fee. So that would, if, I'm, if I may, mm -hmm. so do I interpret that it precludes using that money for police infrastructure? That's something the staff can certainly look into to make sure that on a, a, right. a deeper look that there's nothing else there, but the definition on its face certainly seems by its plain language to say you can only use general government impact fees where other categories of impact fees would not be applicable. And here, because we do have a category for police that that may uh, prevent us from using general government impact fees. Okay, thank you for that. Um, and also, too, in, in general, and, and again, Madam Mayor, I don't know if this is a question for attorney or not, but it was my impression that with the various impact fee funds, we're not allowed to shift from one to the other. Well, that is correct. Yeah, the, we must, impact fees are very heavily regulated by mm -hmm. the law, right? Um, so we must charge them, we must levy them correctly, we must charge them correctly, we must account for them correctly, we must use them correctly, and it does not give us flexibility in moving from one to the other. Okay, at this point I yield. Can we back off that real quick? Uh, real quick, because... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. It's completely based on... Mm -hmm. um, Commissioner Langdon's question and city attorney's answer. 
would now be an appropriate time to get a consensus to have the city attorney do an analysis to see if the general government impact fees can be used for something for the police station? Because she said that she would have to do an analysis. Let's. I would like to see about getting a consensus to give her that direction so she can get busy on that. So maybe we ha might have an answer by March 5th. If, if that would be okay, Mayor, I'll make, uh, I'll ask for a consensus to instruct the city attorney to do a legal analysis on the usage of government um, impact fees and how it relates to the Northport PD station. If that's clear, city attorney, thank you. Before I lend my voice, follow-up question to city attorney, could that analysis be completed in time for the March 5th? We can look at it and see if it needs something more in-depth. I mean, it, it, I don't wanna give you an absolute answer here on the dais, not having looked at it more specifically, but this definition seems pretty preclusive. So my, my guess is it's going to be a, a fairly straightforward an email response saying, you know, hey, the definition doesn't allow us to do that. But I would just like to look a little bit more before giving you something that you can rely upon. If we have to really go and do deeper research, I can also let you know that. Thank you for that. Then, then I would be a yes with the caution. If we take money out of the general fund impact fees, other projects will be impacted, so it might not be uh, the freebie that we're hoping for, but I would certainly support city attorney looking into that. Uh, yes, I'm a yes for that. I'm a yes also. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'd like to move on to Commissioner Emmerich. All right. Um, when we were, you were discussing the millage rate, city manager, what is our current millage rate? It was like 3.7776 or something. I think it's 3.667. Okay, I'm dyslexic, so. Um, but you had talked about raising it to like 0 0.7320 at the cost of uh, like $140 per taxpayer at $200,000 value of home. What would that make the total at that point then? Um, let me pull the chart back up so everyone can see it. Oh, there it is. Um, and which percentage point did you just ask about, um, Commissioner? You wanted to raise it the uh, to the one hundred million, which was point seven three two zero. Well, I I said the hundred million dollar model is the one that I think was the floor of what we should be asking for. If you raise it just for that particular purpose, you're looking at a 0 0.7320 impact. Correct. And you're looking at that being roughly a 19% increase. And you're looking at that being financially $146 uh, to a, a $200,000 assessed value property. Right. But that doesn't equate to me at a 19% increase to the millage to $140 on a year. You say that does not equate to you? To me, in my mind. Okay. I, I'm just, I just think 19% is way high. And, you know, we've talked about possibly adjusting the millage rates at the three to the 5%, you know, if, if we had a structured <laughs> millage increase. Right. Um, and we've tested the waters before with, you know, the one time where we had the 30% 
equation and we got it down to 13 and that was pretty catastrophic out there to individuals and that's not something that I'm leaning towards I just yes. wanted clarification on that my other question was to the chief I know you had your little magic wand out there we started building yesterday but what is your timeline on getting the construction of this PD let's say everything goes forward we've got the funding how long is it going to take you to build the building I would say 16 months from the time that we have a GMP. So it's a little over a year. What I'm trying to get to is budget things. If we do, we have to be fully funded before we break ground, or can we break it up into two budget scenarios, like next year's budget and the following year's budget? So to go to GMP, we would need full funding. Um, we could try to phase it. What is um, GMP? Yeah. Sorry. What is GMP? Oh, a guaranteed maximum price for construction. Just we curious. could try to phase it. Um, sorry, but it, it would slow it down. I understand it would slow it down, but if we're still sort of, with, we're, we're looking at two different budgets rather than trying to come up with one great big piece of pie. If we spread that out over the time of the building, we're still not going to be occupying it anyways, but with the money, it could come hand in hand and still be in the same timeline. That's the only thing I'm looking at, trying to make things a little bit easier. You know, because we have different funding sources, we could get most of it done, and then the following year, okay, we got to do the wrap up. And you know, we're not going to start until probably next year, anyways. So, we're still we would be within next year's budget, the following year's budget. And if you're still looking at 16 months, then you're actually looking into the beginning of a third year budget down the road. I'm just trying to look at options. Not saying that's the way we need to go, but it's, it's a possibility to where it spreads out that acquiring this money instead of right now over a few year period just trying to look at options it's the only thing i had city manager thank you okay i had just some uh questions city manager about um well just i guess in general whichever option we go for the police department 90 million or 20 122 million we're still short in both cases correct you're short in which cases, Kate? In both cases, whether we go for the low end 90 million or 122 million, we're still short to, to fully fund it because there's a, a figure thrown in here of using $50 million in surtax. So in either case, we're, we still don't have it of money. It was our exercise to go through and what Vice Mayor Stokes was pointing out earlier that to make a recommendation of what we thought could be moved without sort of jeopardizing some other projects. I believe that we should provide that list back to you and let you have that conversation so you can see where the adjustments were that we made. And then you as a board, if you would like to take that number from 50 to 60 to 70 to 80, whatever your number is that you feel comfortable with, and then that could be part of your conversation and decision points on March the 5th. Okay, so that's the $50 million surtax money that you're talking about would be from reshuffling projects and, and put that money into this pot. But either way, we're still going to be short to pay for the building. Not if you reshuffle it for $122 million. There, 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 there's money in there that is enough to cover oh. the station, but you'd be making choices where you would be leaving other projects um, out of being completed. Okay. Which, so which is, which you, there's, a, there's, there's a line there that... You just want to make sure that 
in the past, whether it was Price Boulevard phase one, it may have been in there at some point and someone reshuffled and took it out. And okay. then now here we are paying for it now. So we just have to be careful on how much you do in that particular bucket of funding. All right, because I think that that's where I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing a, the, the road here, that the scenario has been proposed to reshuffle surtax to allow for 50 million, but you're saying it, it would be more than 50 million. It could be more. Could be. If you chose for it to be yes. more. Staff okay. is recommending 50. And we're well, gonna, we're well, that goes back to my first question. If, if it is just at 50 million, we're mm -hmm. still gonna be short to fund that whole building. So where would that money come from? Well, it depends. If it's one of these other six options that have already Same, been mentioned. Like a millage increase that could fund that. Well, there, there's there's the $50 million that we we have in surtax. Right. If you ask the bonding question and it comes with the $28 million uh, price tag, now you have $78 million, which is why there was a model in the designer designer's presentation of 50 and 78. That's how we got to those two numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, if you still want to get to the 100 or the 122 model, then yes, we would still need some additional funding on top of that in order to get there. And that could be grants, it could be some other points of revenue, but you would still have that shortfall of $22 million, even if you did those two very straightforward actions. Okay. <coughs> and then the, you had the chart that if the, the millage rate were, were to be increased, mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the percentage that you had that, um, um, but that would bring in hundred uh, on a property that's assessed at a hundred thousand dollars that would bring in a hundred and forty six forty a hundred forty six dollars is what each homeowner would pay that was a two hundred thousand dollar uh, oh, assessment mm -hmm. okay and it was a hundred and forty six dollars annually annually correct all right and how is how we're now paying on a road bond what is that fifty dollars a year that we pay what is that forty six dollars right um you know, when we passed that road bond years ago to, to repave all the roads. Right. We had, yeah, people had the option of paying the whole thing up front or paying it $46 a year for 25 years. It, is, are any of these scenarios like that to put on a separate assessment for, because I think somebody mentioned that before, a separate yeah. assessment mm -hmm. for the police building? Because obviously growth hasn't paid for growth. And I'm sorry, I've heard that for decades that, you know, we should. But you, you mentioned we're, we're working off of an impact fee study from 2011, and it's only at 50%, which is absurd. Um, so, you know, it's, it's time to, to pay the piper. So is there an, would that be something feasible to have a separate police department or whatever you want to call it, assessment? I wrote that down from Commissioner McDowell's conversation, so we're going to explore that and see what we can bring back to you by March 5th. Okay, okay. Um, all right, I think that might be my question. Oh, I was just confused about the, the, the price boulevard, phase two. Is that another 50 million you're talking about that we had in the pot for phase two, which would be what, west of Sumter? Yeah, so that would take yeah. you down past the high school. Right. And it was at the very end of your current surtax four. Okay. So what we did was we shifted it from the very end of four to yeah. the beginning of five. Okay. And then that's where the majority of your funding was saved in order for you to consider it 
has a $50 million to use for this particular. So is that the reshuffle you're talking about, the $50 yeah. million, or is there another $50 million that we can get from reshuffling other projects other than, no, I, I didn't understand. It was the same number, so I didn't know if it was, okay. Yes. So that is the reshuffling of phase two from, from Price Boulevard. Correct. That okay. is the main piece of money that was moved in order to free up funding for what you need now. Okay. But it would still leave us short of what we need, and that's what we're talking about, other possible funding, the millage rate increase or po a possible assessment. Assessments, right, okay. yes, ma'am. Okay, I think I got it straight now. This is way above my pay grade, I tell you right now. <laughs> there's a lot of numbers. <laughs> there's a, Yeah, there's just a lot of things here that you want to be considered, but it's good. All right, Vice Mayor. All right, let me see if I get this. <clears throat> so... I was intrigued by Commissioner McDowell's comments about trying to do something with the August election. You know, I, I guess if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, we need 100, let's, for argument's sake, $122 million. That's the ask. And I got no problem with that. It's a question of how you pay for it. We need to, we can't use the second half of the 15-year millage rates to, to pay for the building that's going to be built within the next few years. So we obviously have to go out to the people and say, we need to bond it. We need $122 million up front so that we can build this facility. Then the question is how those bonds get paid. And we have a variety of approaches to how they're going to get paid. So that makes sense. I would like to at least urge, I don't know if, if we need a consensus, but we probably do, to have staff look into the possibility of doing just that. I do believe, <laughs> I do believe that the people are much more receptive to the question of are you supportive of a new police headquarters for the best interests and safety of our citizens? The issue of asking the citizens to create a charter amendment or do a charter amendment that allows the city to go to say $28 million of bonding for any specific project I think is a separate conversation because there is another approach, which I, I, I don't really believe is a conversation for this, this workshop unless we want it to be, and that's permissive referendum, which you know uh, I was made aware of not that long ago, which is another methodology for referendums, which do, does not give up any authority of, of the of the citizens' right to control the purse strings, but for projects that they wholeheartedly support, allow commission, city leadership, to borrow money. And, and the onus is on the citizens if they question it, if they are not 100% behind it, they can go ahead and push it to a public referendum. There are options to this charter review suggestion. Uh, I fear too, i concerned that if we package them, citizens are gonna say, Jesus, you know, we support the police, 
building wholeheartedly, but you're also asking us to give the city leadership $28 million worth of borrowing capacity by project. And I am concerned about that. I think a righteous upfront ask, let's ask for $122 million for a police building and pay for it, pay those bonds off by any combination of these options. So, you know, I, I, I would, uh, you know, I, I would certainly like city staff to look into the possibility of doing this in August, because then it really expedites it. I don't know how hard it would be. I think it's saleable to the public. I think they understand the need. And um, I don't know, I guess I would make a, a, you know, offer up a consensus that we have city staff look into the possibility of bringing this forth on the August election date and and uh, as opposed to waiting till November and uh, and see if we can't get the, the citizens to support this. One question. One question. One question on the, on the thing. Okay. I mean, so you, you I don't know how everybody else now? feels okay. about it. Well, I'll start with Commissioner Emmerich. I have a question on that, if I could. Would we have a number on what that amount would be if we bonded the whole $122 million? What, what would that look like on the tax base to the citizens? Ish. Give me an ish. I mean, what was the road bond? How much did we bond there? And, how, and it cost us 46 bucks a year. I don't know about the road bond, but you're, you're asking what would the amount to the home taxpayer be if we bonded $100 million? Yes. $22. $122 million to fully fund the police station. What would that look like? This would be a flat fee on their taxes, but no adjustment of the millage rate. So it'd be, right. let's say it's 250 bucks on a year. It's $178.66. Okay, so that's how we would advertise it on, okay, we need a new PD. This is what it's going to cost without influxing your millage rate, without doing this, that, and the other. So you're looking at $176 a year to every citizen in Northport or every homeowner. But that increase does include, that's the, that's the price of the millage rate increase you pay for it. It's not separate from it. It's included within it. That 178, the cost that you're It goes into for. the millage rate, but it's Correct. not calculated as a percentage increase. Don't we pay $46 for the road bond? Yeah. That's an assessment. Okay, right. that's what I'm talking about. Well, we don't, we don't know. It can be an assessment yet. We were going to go look at that. But if you're asking for... If we bonded the whole amount, mm -hmm. wouldn't that be an assessment? Right, it's an option. It's not... Well, that's what he's bringing up on. If, if we want to bond the whole amount, yeah. it would be a set rate. It would not adjust the millage rate is what I'm getting at. Correct, but we said we would go look. Based I understand that. I'm not trying to get right. an argument with you. I'm just saying that it would be separate than the millage rate. Yes. We could raise the millage rate to cover that, but then it's going to be expendable over the years. Mm -hmm. Correct. This one here would be a flat rate. Right. For this, correct. Specifically for this, just yes. like the road bond. That's all I wanted to yes. get out there. And, I, and if you had a number about how much it was. Right on a year at that flat rate because yes. it would be that flat rate for the next 20 to 25 years. Understood. Yes, sir. That's all I'm getting at because it wouldn't be fluctuating. Well, 
I was and I wasn't. The, sec the, the first part, yes. The second part, no. I mean, we have at least a half, we've close to a half a dozen options by which we can pay off the $122 million. What I'm saying is, can we go out and ask our citizens to allow us to, to issue bonds for $122 million to build a police station the way we need to build it, which is what we all know we need and want. The question is, how do you pay those bonds off over 30 years? I don't say necessarily we do them as an assessment. Maybe that's a portion of it. We got surtax, we got grants, we got maybe a little bit impact fees from what I'm hearing, not as much as I was hoping. Um, maybe nobody wants to do a sales tax, I don't know. There's an assessment, which is basically a millage rate increase disguised, well, I don't care. Either way, if it's on your tax bill, it's a property, it's, 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 a, it's an increase. What I'm saying is there's a myriad of ways to pay the 122 million. My question really was, can we go out in August and say, we want this building, we need this building, do our citizens support this? Can we go get bonds for 122 million? How we pay them off is the devil in the details, which we've yet to get to. So it's not all, let's just take 122 million and spread it over 60,000 properties or whatever we've got in the city. It's like, no, we may only have to spread an assessment over, I mean, there may be only 20, 25 million, 30 million left to have to assess whether you want to do it via millage rate increase or assessment, the rest gets gobbled up or paid off by surtax grants, impact fees, and any one of a host of things we've discussed. So that's sort of where I was heading with this. I just, Commissioner McDowell made a, a, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it and didn't know if we could even do it by August. But boy, if you ask the citizens, look, here's, here's six ways we can pay those bonds off. We're still wrestling with the percentages and all, but we need this facility. And I think they'll vote for it. I mean, in my personal opinion, I just don't know how everybody else feels about that. All right, so um, you're looking for a consensus to to get information in order to consider putting the, an assessment no, question for, no, I'm looking, for a bond that would be paid for with an assessment. I'm looking for a consensus to ask city staff to look into the possibility or the ability of us to go to referendum in right. August for bonding of $122 million police bill. That's the ask. Okay, but then we're, we're going back to my initial question yeah. again, too, is you just brought up a good point, and I understand that. It may not be the whole 122, so you're right. going to go out to bond for a specific amount. Let's say we got to 50 from surtax. Now you're looking at a bond for 72. No, because you don't get to 50 million of surtax until year seven through 15, and we're building the police building today. So you need $122 million to build this police building up front. That has to be done by issuing bonds and getting that money, I would assume. Where else does it come from? You can't, you know, build like, the building isn't gonna take 15 years to build. So you gotta have the money up front. That's the point but I'm 50 million is there. No, it's not. They're moving it from surtax. Not moving it from, from, from Price Boulevard widening, which is the first five to seven years of our surtax. 
it's I, coming off the tail end. Is there 50 million in the pot to go to the PD right now, city manager? No. No. Because okay. the money is collected over time. But I think, um, can you try to explain again how sure. you explain the, the financing in the end? But I, I understand what you're saying. But the first thing is we need to find out if an assessment is a legally uh, allowable pathway at this point. So when she said it, I wrote it down. We need to figure out if that's an option. How much would it cost, you know, on an annual basis and not adding right. to the millage rate? But those are questions that we can find out for you. Okay. But you're all correct. If you decide on the 122, we're trying to piece it together from multiple places. So the 50 is one source, and then the 72 might be coming from a different source. But I think the question on the table now is how do we take advantage of the 50 million for the project, knowing that it was taken from the latter years and, and um, pulled up forward? Sure. So you would be bonding the surtax portion as well, whether it would be a total bonding as you're proposing or by itself, so that we're making annual payments mm -hmm. throughout the 15 years or whenever we finally issue it, because you only could do it during the approval period. So you have 15 years to pay that mm -hmm. portion off as well. Um, so that we're basically, again, because we did price phase one that way, we had all that money built up front to do pay as you go. So now you have that money to, we could make other payments against the surtax that we are initially holding at the end. You're, you're spreading it out over the life rather than saying we're gonna save up and use it when you go to make the bond payment. So the, the cash is not there. We don't have any cash for surtax uh, for yet. We, it doesn't start collecting until January 1st. Pieces. You get it in pieces over a period of 15 yes. years. Mm -hmm. It rolls in. So we need the money up front to build the police building, which is why, again, I ask, do we want to instruct staff to look into bringing this before the citizens in August to say, we have $122 million rest to build a new police headquarters, which we desperately need, which we've needed for 10 years, which has been asked for repeatedly, which will provide safety for our citizens. That's a righteous ask. When the question comes up, how do you pay for it? Here's a half a dozen different ways we're looking at, you know, how we put that mixed bag together. That's how we pay it off over. 30 years. I, I will mention, though, that um, you typically have to say what type of bond you're going for. Exactly. And so you can't necessarily do a mixed bag bond. Can if I you do a general obligation oh, bond yeah. no, no, no. I'm sorry. versus a revenue, a revenue bond, bond, we would have to, uh, they would be voting on the instrument as well, because that's mm -hmm. part of the limitation in the law, that if it's GO, they have to vote no matter what, where our limitation in our own right. charter is right. revenue bonds. But, but again, the revenue, the, the ability to pay the revenue bonds okay, or the methodology to pay the revenue bonds can come from any number of sources. We can pay part of it from surtax that we choose to re reprioritize. There may be grant money that may come in that we can pay those bonds with. Um, we would have to show how we're gonna pay them. Obviously, we can't say, well, we're gonna pay them from grants when we don't have the grants, right. I get that. Um, but we can look at the methodology of paying that 122, that's the subject of our discussions. We have feedback coming back from staff to discuss again on the 5th as to specific direction on that. But my simple, it's not a simple ask, my ask is do we want staff to look at in August referendum item specifically for $122 million police headquarters? 
rather than wait till November and rather than package it with a charter amendment. The only did you want to answer that? I was just going to say the down the caution with doing it earlier is your ability to spread awareness. You know, as soon as you sort of lock that in, then that means you've got to sort of step out of it and only step in when asked and brought into the conversation. Mm -hmm. So the window of time gets a lot shorter. But I get your point. Yeah, that's a legitimate one. That's yeah. That's what I'm trying to get. Or do, or do we just go in November with the ask without the need for a charter amendment at that time and ask for a charter amendment in a special election or in 26? You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. That's what I'm really asking. I think I was told you have to ask for a charter amendment on a general election. By <coughs> I think you can have a special. I think I heard that. I don't know. And again, I full board. I'm a lawyer. All right, Commissioner McDowell, did you have a yeah. question? Commissioner Stokes, I think I think the biggest consensus is for staff to look at doing an August referendum for the PD. They are going to have to come back with the all the who, what, when, where, and whys to be able to have that happen, whether that be the March fifth meeting, maybe the March seventh meeting, maybe a the right. 26th meeting maybe we have a special meeting but i think your biggest ask is staff we want you to do this in august as opposed to november and if that is the crux of your ask knowing that they're going to come back with all of those details i would definitely be a yes because the education part is kind of a moot point because it's the pd it's one subject we need this because of growth, and it's the police station. And I think the educational part is going to be very small. But if you have three different referendums or four different referendums or how many referendums in November, that educational campaign gets muddy. So uh, I'm a yes if the, the thing is to explore an August referendum for the $122 million. They're going to have to bring back the who, what, when, where's, why's, and right. how, and how is it going to be funded? That's all part of future conversation. Okay. All right. Commissioner uh, Langton? I would be a yes. Yeah, I would be a, a yes, too. And, and, and again, that's when we would learn if this would could be the same thing as that road bond that people voted for, that they voted for that money to be used for an assessment, and uh, it would be the same uh, scenario for that as well. Yeah. I'm certainly a yes. I'm a yes, but yes, okay, yes. I, I, I agree with that. And, and I got no issues with that. The only thing I want to keep open on is when the who, what, where, and when comes in, what is the exact impact yes. to the individual oh, yeah. homeowner in, in that information? Amen. And also to have a possible conversation on <clears throat> leaving the door open for the November election instead of August, if we're only going to go with one referendum because of the fact is, is you will have a lot more participation in the general election than you normally do in the primaries. I just want to have those conversations down the road when the information's in. So I'm a yes. Okay. So you have your consensus. And, and just, again, to be clear, regardless, we're so short money for this building. We don't have everything in a row. All our ducks aren't in a row yet for this. So P 
people would determine, vote whether they want to see a new building or not, I, I suppose, uh, because we don't have $122 million, right, city manager? That's just laying around. True. But right. If you, and I know there's options, start, but that's the thing. If we find out what all those options are, then people will know how we're going to fund this because it's not really shouldn't be a matter of if it's how. Right. You, you you'll know that before you write your question and before they see it. You don't know it today. Yeah. But you might say we want to do 122 million dollar assessment, and this is what it costs right. for the taxpayers for how long it costs the taxpayers. Right. That's the information we'll have to bring back to you. Okay. Okay. All right, thank you. So, got a consensus for that. What else? I kind of lost track here. What What else do we do? We you need? Um, oh, we have. Mayor, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah. So, going back to the presentation and kind of how is this going to pay for? And this is going to what I think Commissioner Emmerich was talking about. When you look at the sample millage, this little chart that says sample millage. And you say $122 million and increasing the millage rate by 0 0.8930. But then you go down to the bottom and it says it's 178.60. Is that 178.60 just that very last number on that first column? Is that just the millage increase? to pay for the police station yes. or or because it's not clear is it the 178 million million 178 dollars for the police station with the 0.89 millage rate increase including the 3.7667 millage rate is the first column is the 0 0.8930 will be the increase to the current millage rate, which is right next to the 122 million. At the end of it, the 122 million cost to the homeowner is $178.66 a year. Okay, so I will make it very simple. Is that $178 million the portion of the police station or is it the entire millage rate, including the police station? Just the portion of the police station. So it's just the police station. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I needed clarified. Because I, I think in the conversation, it kind of got that it was added together already. And I didn't think that that was accurate. Um, so in, in if, if, because we're talking about options here, if we're talking about increasing the millage rate, and if you look at that same chart, where you go to the $122 million, it starts at 0.89, then goes down to 0.81, and then goes down to 0.73. I had also made the suggestion of having and exploring a flat millage rate increase. And what would that look like as a way of paying this back? If we aren't gonna do the assessment, like the road bond, if there's, if we do it in conjunction with sale, uh, surtax, what would it look like as just a flat millage rate? Because it's easier to educate and it's less fuzzy math. Oh, it's going to go down as property values go up. And it, 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 it becomes less explainable. The whole thing is, is we have to explain this to the citizens 
And if you have a flat rate saying, hey, for the next, and it doesn't even say how many years is this going to be. It's been stated it's 30 years. Maybe it's 15 years. It doesn't say how many years is this increase going to be. That's a very important part of it. So there's, there's a flat millage rate we could increase in along with the surtax, along with maybe an assessment. There's very different opportunities here. And kind of what Commissioner Stokes was, do we, when we go to referendum, have to spell out exactly how it's going to be repaid? Or can we be broad in it? And that's probably a legal question. So those are a couple other things that I wanted to put on the table. Um, city manager, I need to double check something on this impact fee stuff. If you go to your chart with the low impact fee percentages at 2022, is that based on the 2011 study or the 2022 study that we approved? Very last one. Because I know I could swear we approved a 2022 impact fee study after we did the demonstrated needs, we increased all of the impact fees except for transportation. Okay, we'll confirm. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Is that it, Commissioner? Yeah, and I, I really don't know if we're going to be able to have all of these conversations on the 5th. Um, I, I think maybe staff is going to need a lot more time than just two weeks. I, I would really like to see about getting a consensus to have a special meeting on just this subject. Okay. Well, if there, if if there's not, maybe staff is going to be wonderful and be able to produce it in less than two weeks, but um, I I think this is one of those subjects that they might need more time to be able to put all of the information in the backup materials instead of getting it at the eleventh hour for our edification. Ask them so. the question. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know. Okay. I don't I don't know how long it's going to take, but we already have a special meeting on March the seventh on our calendars. Mm -hmm. So I think that that would be the fallback date of March the 5th did not work. Okay. Yeah, and if that special meeting has to start at 10 o'clock as opposed to 1 o'clock, uh, you know, I'd be amenable to that. I just want to throw out other options so that city manager isn't pigeonholed into 10 a.m. on the 7th. Okay. Vice Mayor, did you have something? Yeah, actually, since it just took a look at the agenda and... 24-0341 says discussion and possible action regarding potential referendum language to amend section charter related to city's authority to issue general obligation and revenue bonds. Um, I'll ask city manager, is this an appropriate time to have a discussion about that issue separate and apart from the police buildings? Because the reason I ask it is Obviously, there's the ask to build a police building. Mm -hmm. Then there was envisioned this ask for a charter amendment. And there are options to that. That was a recommendation made by the Charter Review Board that we would kind of compare, okay, to back up a little, our city is probably the only city anywhere that I know of that does not have any ability to bond for revenue bonding, to, to do revenue bonding without going to referendum. 
That said, it is severely restricting on our city's ability to borrow money for anything. Other than the ask for a police building, mm -hmm. the idea of asking for a charter amendment which would allow city leadership to go up to an amount of say $28 million per project, which is by the way, what the county does and, and many municipalities do to various amounts, whether it's 28, 15, 20, 30, whatever. But there are is an alternative approach to a charter amendment, which might be worth exploring at some point, okay? Um, and, you know, that is permissive referendums. Um, I believe com commissioners have some information on this. I don't know whether it's ever forwarded to Charter Review Board because they came back, they haven't come back with anything. But basically, permissive referendums are, are an approach whereby the citizens have the authority to force any ask by city leadership for indebtedness to go to a referendum. However, they have the right to allow it if they are 100% behind it. If, for instance, we want to borrow $3 million or $5 million to replace water structures, everyone in the city knows we got to have that. So the city makes a decision and says we'd like to borrow $3 million. If the citizens have no problem with it, and they get a 30, 60, 90 day, whatever time period the city determines in this charter amendment for permissive referendums, the citizens have a period of time at which they can come back with a petition of 10%, 8%, 7%, whatever is decided when this permissive referendum charter amendment's made. They can come back and say, you know, we know we need these, but we want everybody in the city to vote on them. Or they simply don't bring that petition forward within the time, <laughs> prescribed time frame, and city leadership's allowed to move forward, borrow that money without having to do a referendum, without having to spend an exorbitant amount of time. The interesting aspect of this is that citizens never give up the right to tell commission or city leadership whether or not they're allowed to spend that money. They retain that. With the charter amendment that's before us here or that has been proposed by the Charter Review Board, it says people give us leaders the ability to borrow up to whatever amount, $28 million per project. We are good stewards of your tax dollars. We mean well, we do well, we squeeze every buck dry and you know, we want that authority so we don't have to keep coming back to you to ask every time we want to borrow. Permissive referendums, another approach to this, whereby the citizens have a bit more control on every single ask that comes forward. And so my question is, is this something we may want to explore? I would suggest it, it should go to the Charter Review Board since I don't even know if they're aware of this. I was not aware of this. Todd Miles, our legislative analyst, who was, who was bond counsel in New York, brought this idea to me as we had just general conversation about bonding and building a police building. And I was like, wow, 
I never heard of this. And I looked into it. I got educated. Um, information was disseminated a little bit. But there's, I mean, this is a viable, I believe, a viable option to charter amendments regarding borrowing for our city. And Lord knows as we grow, with the speed at which we're growing, not just the police building ask, but a series of needs will arise over the years. And our city needs to be better prepared to be able to fund those. And that's why I brought this up. If it's not a discussion for now, I'm fine. You want to get the can to another meeting. But but this was the item on the agenda. And so I, I thought well, I'd I, okay, throw it I out there. Just put that on hold for a second. I just want, we were on the police headquarters bonding. Are we done with that issue? Do you need something else from us for that? No, I think we're good with the information that you've given and direction discussed and uh, consensus to what we need to bring back to you. We'll keep you posted as we can get it on the march. Fifth meeting, seventh meeting, or four. Okay, so all of these other questions, uh, which model do we want to go with? We're not talking about that now. Well, it sounds like the direction you've given us is to go figure out a way to pay for the $122 million okay. model. Okay, I want to be sure. Yes, yes. So, Commissioner Amherst, did you have any other things piggybacking off of that? Yeah, no, I wanted to put up a consensus and thank the everybody that's participated in this and just to make sure going forward the information that we're using is to go with the 122 million dollar model and disregard the other ones for now while the information's coming back because we're seeking the 122 million and then if we have to make decisions after that with the information proposed then we do so but let's go forward looking at the the major model all right so do you want to that's my consensus. Okay, let's, let's get that. So to formally. a consensus of that this, this board decides to go ahead and pursue the $122 million model for the new police station. Okay, Vice Mayor? I'm a yes. I'm a yes. I'm a yes. I'm a yes, but it's yeah. subject to change based well, sure, on the additional. I want that part back. of the consensus. Right. That okay. it's subject to change based on the information being brought at a future sure. meeting. That's why I said it in the beginning, but yes, absolutely. I agree with that. So okay. I'm a yes. And do we have to, um, part of what their staff is going to be researching is what's going to happen to those projects that are being reshuffled, or is it only the Price Boulevard? So I feel like it was one or two other ones. And when you see the item on March 5th about the ELC, yes. that's going to include it's some of that same conversation as well. Okay. So you need to revise Surtex list so we can tell you what exactly are the changes. Okay. So do you so, need a consensus to bring that back for commission discussion? No. Okay. All right. So is there anything else you need for, for the police headquarters issue before we, as uh, vice mayor, bond. Right. put uh, us into I, the, bond, the bond referendum? I don't think we do, Madam Mayor. I think we're okay. I think we've got enough feedback to go and bring you back something that you can um, feel confident in the next time we talk about this topic. Okay. All right. Commissioner McDowell, were you going to go off of what Vice Mayor was talking about? Well, it's 12 o'clock. Yes, I know. And yeah, um, I, I'm hearing everything's done for PD, but we still have to discuss the working draft for the bond referendum. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 12 o'clock. I don't know if you want to take a time. I, I don't know how long that conversation is going to be, <laughs> but um, it's probably going to need a health break before we start, maybe even a lunch break. I, I, I don't know. 
Commissioner Emmerich, what do you think? What do you want? In 30, you want 30 minutes? Well, no, I'm just take a break. I don't break? have a lunch. Okay. I mean, hopefully it's not a long conversation. Okay, so 10 minutes, are you good with that? Well, yeah, I'm good with that. As long as Phil does, I'll come back and break. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go for 10 minutes. I'm not even gonna leave for minutes. break. All right, 12-17, we'll be back. The 195-square-mile drainage area flows through DeSoto, Manatee, and Sarasota counties, then through our city to exit at Charlotte Harbor. As the city of Northport is located at the low end of the Big Slough watershed drainage system, the city's current flooding and water quality conditions are attributed not only to the city's growth, <laughs> but also to upstream runoff in the DeSoto. Okay, it's 12 Our workshop has reconvened, and uh, we want to move on to the bond referendum discussion. City manager, do you have anything to, to add to this or to start us off? Yes, Madam Mayor. So in the backup material that you receive for this item, you will see the latest draft that has been worked on from the last conversation that we had regarding um, accepting uh, the language regarding public safety and disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. So public safety was mentioned in reference to, I think it's $28 million per project like the county does, and the emergency disaster recovery did not have a cap on it at all. So in addition to that language in your discussion, of um, keeping that and moving forward. You also have the permissive bonding, uh, excuse me, per permissive referendum that Vice Mayor Stokes would like to talk about. And if you would like to entertain any comments or questions regarding surtax question of $50 million in the same way we did bond widening, we could we talk about that as well. Okay. All right, where are we? Um, I have the Vice Mayor in queue. Yeah. Okay. I will reiterate what I said about, you know, permissive referendums, just that we do have a recommendation from the Charter Review Board, which really pretty much mirrors what the county uses and, and I believe a number of municipalities, you know, and, and it is an option to take here. Um, you know, I would assume if we were to do this or a, a, a charter review amendment, a charter amendment based on permissive referendum. Either way, it'd probably be more like November, which I think puts us out to August as to when that need that deadline hits, if I remember correctly. But I'd be very interested to hear, like, what my fellow commissioners' thoughts are on this permissive referendum, if they see it as something even viable. I don't want to waste a lot of commission time. If, if nobody thinks it's something that we should spend any time on, you know, uh, we did get a little bit of information that Todd supplied, disseminated to you guys, but we haven't really had any conversations, and I don't believe Charter Review Board's even seen this yet, and that would certainly be, uh, would be appropriate for them to take a look at this and see if they might not want to come back again with the recommendation or, you know, option one, option two kind of thing. So... I mean, that's really all I have. I'd just like to hear what everybody has to mm -hmm. think about this. All right. Thank you. Commissioner McDowell. Yeah. Uh, Vice Mayor, I would love to learn more about this permissive bond referendum subject, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not prepared to talk about it or give you give you opinion one way or another. Um, 
I, I would definitely be interested in exploring it and learning more about it. But to have that conversation today, I, I'll admit I'm not prepared. So. Could, would it be appropriate to think about a consensus to ask staff to reach out? Todd Miles it really is, is, is the person who, who educated me on this, whether it would be appropriate for him or whether it would be appropriate to send this to the Charter Review Board for investigation and then or subsequent both. or both <laughs> and then subsequently bring it back to us at another time, you know, in a timely fashion. Because again, if we're going to look to do a charter amendment in, you know, in November, we only really have a, a relatively short window. And so we sort of need to know whether it's just option one as presented or whether there is an option two to consider. Is it separate from the bond referendum draft language? Is it like two separate animals it, or is it, it would be a it would really be a charter amendment, just like if we asked citizens to allow us to borrow up to $28 million with CPI adjustments, mm -hmm. and we're asking you to amend our charter citizens to allow us to do this, a preferred referendum would be a charter amendment. We would set requirements on public notice, on amount of time a petition, the citizens would have the time to put the petition together, and what percentage of the voting citizens um, it would take to force it to a public referendum. You know, New York uses 10%, and they give them, I think, 30 days. We could give our citizens 60 or 90 days. We could take that 10% down to 7%, so it took less citizens to force it to a public referendum. That all is devil in the details, but it would require an actual formal charter amendment to do so. I, again, I, I'm, no, I'm for the consensus to get more information and have them bring it forward. Absolutely. I think that would be a very wise thing to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel ill-prepared oh, yeah. to discuss that today. Okay, city attorney. Thank you, Mayor. I just wanted to um, weigh in on a couple of, of topics that have been brought up. The first is whether or not a charter amendment um, must be presented at, the, at a general election versus a special election. Our charter specifically provides that the commission shall have discretion as to when the referendum will occur, whether at the next general election or at a special election called for that purpose. Um, you do have to allow for the appropriate advertisements and notices. So a special election okay. is possibly an option, you know, depending on timing. Um, the second is if you are interested in, in pursuing um, this question of a, of a permissive referendum, um, that is not necessarily something, but th reading our requirements of what has to go before the Charter Review Advisory Board, you certainly could send this to them if you wanted to. They are your advisory board. However, they have already weighed in on the general topic about you know a, a possible charter amendment to this level of authority. So um, in reading the requirements here, I don't think you'd necessarily be required to do that, but certainly you could do that if it were your will. Now, finally, um, with respect to this permissive referendum scheme, we did run this by our bond council, whose entire practice revolves around bonding. This is his specialty. And, uh, he served as outside bond counsel for the city for many, many, many years and does so for uh, many entities across the state. 
and he had never seen anything like this in the state of Florida, but did not identify any legal restrictions from doing this. So we don't have, um, at least through bond counsel, we were not able to discover any sort of model that we could look at or another entity that we could you know, talk to about how this is working um, in Florida, but also we didn't find anything that would prohibit you from doing this. With respect to would this be in lieu of the working language that's provided in the draft uh, ag agenda backup, that's where it depends on how you want to go. I think it's been presented in the memo as a completely new and separate scheme in place of what we've presented to you. The, the memo that Todd Miles wrote and that I think uh, was sent out to the entire board by someone. Um, you know, if, if you want to do it that way, that's, that's an option. There might be a hybrid option, too, where you require, you know, uh, this process in certain circumstances and another process in, in different circumstances. Um, you know, that would really be up to you, and we would certainly provide you our, our legal advice upon analyzing what you'd be interested in doing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Otherwise, just I think you're all aware that we are in, we, we certainly still have time, but time is short, whether you want to go to the primary or the general. Um, still not, not very long, considering that we have to really work to properly wordsmith the actual charter amendment itself. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that takes a lot of coordination among council and, and staff, and then, of course, you all when you come back to the ordinance. And then also crafting the ballot language, which is an art in and of itself uh, as well. Those are both quite time consuming. So time is of the essence, If you, particularly if you are interested in going down this new route that we have not yet wordsmithed and that seems to be you know, unique and possibly borrowed from out of state, but we're not aware of an in-state model. Okay. Um, I just wanted to, to weigh in that it says if we want to follow the county model, so part of the information coming we back have, would come Information on the consensus. I think it kind of like. Stopped. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, I'm sorry. And what was that again? Consensus was to ask city staff to look into permissive referendums, and um, and or <laughs> send it to charter review board and have legal review and bring it back to us as a possible option. All right, but then we just say that we didn't really need to. Send it back to charter review. They already made those. It's our I think option. it's appropriate. Not required. I think it's yeah. appropriate that we yeah. do because, yeah. again, they're our advisory board. They're, they're, you know, they don't know anything about permissive referendums. Not because they're not bright. None of us did. You know, it just so happened that Todd was bond council in New York, where this is used regularly. They, this is what they do for revenue bonding. And, um, and it's a way to allow citizens to maintain their control at the same time, you know, make it a lot easier and not have to go out to ask permission every time you want to borrow money. It leaves it up to the citizens to decide. So that's, I mean, none of us know about this. I just think it's appropriate to have them review it, look into it. They're smart people too, and let them come back and decide, you know, hey, we don't like permissive referendums. We don't suggest it. We just want you to review. We suggest you do, and our recommendation is option one. Or they may come back and say, you know, it's a commission's decision. Here are the two. Here it's what we see as the pros and cons. So I do believe they should be included. And that, that would be my ask as a consensus that we 
instruct staff to please forward information that's been provided to them as well as city attorney to take a look. There is no Florida model for this. It, it's out of state. And then come back <clears throat> and let's take a look and see if it's a viable option. That's all. And would that information include the county model that's referenced here? Or it's something totally different. Okay. It's already. Yeah, yeah, the county model is different, Mayor. That's the one that you heard about in a previous workshop. Right. Where you know they don't have to go to referendum right. up to a certain dollar mm -hmm. amount that flexes over okay. time. Okay, so there's our consensus. Um, sorry, Commissioner Emmerich, did I get something from you? Yes. Yes. Okay, and you're yes. I'll be a yes for that. I'm a yes. Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, I'm a yes. I'm not too keen on sending it to charter review until after we know more about it. I think you know. I think we need to kind of. Um, just say, yeah, let's send it to charter, or yay, let's not do this, or yes, let's go for it. You know, so I think we need to kind of vet it ourselves before sending it to charter review, but that's I'll, just... You, you know, know what, I'll, I'll, I'll amend my consensus uh, to that. Yeah. I just did not want to exclude right. them. Right, I'm not trying to exclude that's them all. either. Um, I just... Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, let's face it. If this commission is is the one who would have to make a decision ultimately as to whether or not one, it was a viable option, right. and two, then whether or not we adopt and take the approach that the Charter Review Board has recommended, which is a or a preferred or a permissive referendum, which might be option two. I just felt that it might be a little unfair to them to learn a lot more about this without them having the benefit of learning about any of it, and then it, we to decide to make a decision in one direction because time is short. August is not right. that far ahead. And then have them say, I mean, WTF, <laughs> you know, what are we, chop liver? <laughs> you know, we're the Charter Review Board and like no one even told us about this idea. It's everybody, so I'll, 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 I'll change mine and remove my butt and just say <laughs> yes, Thank you. send it, get it done and we'll go from there. I, I yeah, just. They could turn it around pretty quick, hopefully. You know, they'll at least look into it, maybe have some questions. Okay. Thanks, Commissioner. City Attorney, you're still in the queue. Are you okay? Commissioner Langdon. I have totally lost track of where we're at. I know. <laughs> so if, yeah. if someone can ground me. Are we still in the consensus thing? No, I think we're consensus is gone. Okay, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Are we getting back to commenting on the... Um, draft language? Yes, thank you. The draft language. I, I have a couple of thoughts to share sure. on that. Go ahead. Um, one is, is 28 million the right number? Um, given, I know it's per project, but given how expensive capital projects are, I'm, I'm just questioning. I don't have a number in my mind. I'm just poking at it a little bit because when I think of police headquarters, when I think of the number of water structures that need to be replaced or fixed, 28 million barely scratches the surface. And, and we have, you know, fire and rescue coming, although that's that'll be falling into a different bucket. But I'm just sort of poking at that. I'd be interested in what my fellow commissioners have to say. And then at the very end, tying it to the engineering news and record construction cost index. I'm clueless as to what that is. So 
Um, I'd really like to better understand how they index those costs. Consumer price index, I get. I think the general public would get that, but, but I didn't get this. I doubt the general public would get that. So I would like a little bit of an explanation as to how that's calculated and how it works. And then just a general comment. I know the devil's in the details and we need to spell all of this out, but whenever I've seen um, referendum language, it's always so complicated. Um, and I don't know if there's <coughs> any models for sort of explaining what it is and then getting into the details. I, I think sometimes, when I read through them, I get tangled up and this is included or this is not included or, you know, just a, a general comment that I think this is a lot to absorb. Um, and I don't know if there are any general ways we can make it more digestible by the general public. So those are my comments. Okay. Uh, city Attorney? Just to provide some clarity, Commissioner Langdon, so what you are looking at in the backup is a draft of the proposed amendment to the actual language to the charter. And uh, this is, this is a, will be part of the, the ordinance that is passed, assuming that's what occurs. And this we'll isn't be, the language for the referendum. That's right. And will be Thank available you. to the voters. <laughs> the, the clerk will have that. We have the option yeah. of putting it on our website, but we're required to file it with the clerk. Um, there, this is not the ballot question. Thank you. And Thank you. ballot questions can also be very confusing, to be yes. fair, because we have to hit certain legal points, right, right. but we also have a character maximum. Right. They can only be so mm -hmm. right. so, so many uh, words. Right. So, uh, you know, you may you may very well have that same comment when you see the proposed <laughs> language. I don't know, but this is not what people will be looking at at right. the polls. It's not what's going to be thank, on the ballot. Thank you for ballot. that clarification. So can someone explain ENR to me and how that's calculated and how it's indexed and all of that, I would appreciate it. Yes, ma'am, Jason, your deputy city manager, Jason Yarbrough, is gonna come and give it a shot. Good afternoon, commissioners, Jason Yarbrough. Deputy City Manager. Uh, ENR is basically engineering news of record or, or review. Uh, it's a magazine. It's an index that is typically used by a lot of different places. Uh, I used it to index uh, in a previous jurisdiction I worked for. I indexed cap, uh, impact fees to it because the ENR index is for capital construction costs, which is kind of what you want to tie your wagon to, not necessarily the CPI. CPI you know, milk it's and bread. It's a shopping cart of... Uh, yeah, it, yeah, that's got nothing to do with capital construction right. costs. Right. Uh, it, it's easy to go to, CPI, and the ENR is is an industry standard for multiple decades, and it is put out by a leading um, engineering publication, and that's kind of the go-to for capital construction. <laughs> and, and what's included in that? Does it include design costs, consultant yeah. costs? I'm sure it's yes. materials yeah. and labor. Yeah, all, all those kind of generalities and go into a capital okay. construction project. Okay, thank you for that. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> okay, Commissioner McDowell. Is the ENR, 
is ENR based on a specific area or is it a nationwide? It's nationwide, nationwide. See, and CPI is is sometime it's geared towards a specific area. Absolutely, but milk and milk and bread tasting got nothing to do with building a building. No, no, no. I understand <laughs> that. So my my follow up question is: is that the ENR is nationwide? Um, yeah. Maybe maybe Seattle area is experiencing yeah. something Florida isn't experiencing, but we're lumped into those yeah. increases. Whereas CPI, I get, is bread and milk. Yeah. But it's area specific. Is there a mix of the two where it's area specific for construction cost? You can make hybrid. I'm you sorry? Can, you can make hybrid. No, or, I'm asking if yeah, it is. No, I, I've never <laughs> seen it done that way, but you could, I mean, I mean, I don't see why you couldn't. I, um, I, I will say one of the things that we've seen nationwide, especially in Florida, Florida used to be. Uh, a, a, a deal, you know, mm -hmm. and what we've seen with construction is kind of leveling out. I mean, there's there's some regional differences, but it's become a lot less regionalized and more homogenized with with construction costs. The asphalt you pay in Florida very similar to what you're going to pay up, and other than some regulatory um, things that change the the cost, things are really normalizing versus back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, where yeah, you get some really regional differences in construction costs, that's not necessarily the same anymore. One of the, thank you for that explanation. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about is as opposed to using the ENR, it says every year, I was looking for probably a, a compromise because construction is, fluctuates so much. Um, it's doing it like a three-year average as opposed to just every single year. That way then too, it's it's a little bit more even keeled. And we know when we're going to budget things, it, it's every three years or every five years that it gets increased. Or then the other question is, does it go down? That's, I was gonna <laughs> ask yeah, a follow-up question. Everybody yeah. talks about, oh, it's gonna go up, it's gonna go up. But uh, there is times where it has gone down. CPI has gone down. So I would assume the construction costs have also gone down. So that is not talked about in here. Um, I would be uh, looking to probably do it for an average of three years, what that ENR is, and also putting a provision in there that it can go down. Um, the other things that I was concerned about is a supermajority vote by the commission. But then I kind of went, wait a minute, this language doesn't even give the authority to the commission. There's nothing in here saying the commission will decide or the city manager will decide or finance will decide. Um, it's taking it away from the citizens, but it's saying the city, who exactly is that? And if it's the commission will make the authoritative decision, I would think that needs to be spelled out in here. Um, the other thing is, is if, if it is intended, and I don't like assuming things when I read language, that it's the commission that's giving this authority, um, it shouldn't be done at an emergency meeting. Emergency meetings only require 24 <coughs> hours notice, and there could be some game playing with that. And I want to make sure that it's a properly noticed meeting, and the agenda is posted with that, you know, week or whatever time frame, uh, to give citizens the ability to participate. 
because 24 hours sometimes just is not enough time for that participation. <coughs> um, the other thing I had noticed is if you look at section D, it says no general obligation or revenue bond shall be issued. But the rest of the language then talks about revenue bond. It doesn't say anything about how general obligation bonds are approved. Yes, we know it's done by state statute, but our charter doesn't say anything to that effect, that the general obligation bond debt would be approved by the voters. That is not spelled out in here. Um, and I think it's important to have it in there. Um, the only other thing is, is when you're looking at um, the two I's and the three I's in section 2A, it says um, imminent infrastructure or system failure, including but not limited to. The minute you add included but not limited to, you're leaving it wide open. And I think that the intent of this was to just have it be for those imminent infrastructure system failures for roads, bridges, water control structures, sanitation, water and sewer facilities. I would hate at some point in the future it to be interpreted, but not limited to includes park equipment. Not limited to includes um, Anything else that's under the sun, um, I, I, I think it needs to be tightened up. And um, those were my comments on this. Um, I, I really also think we need to have a supermajority of the commission as opposed to the majority. And I think I read somewhere that it was even a unanimous of the commission. I don't know if I saw it here or if it was charter or if it was possibly discussed somewhere that it had to be a unanimous vote by the commission. Um, unanimous is difficult to achieve and I think supermajority is that happy compromise. So those were my thoughts on this subject. I don't know what um, staff is looking for, but um, those were my thoughts on it. All right, Commissioner Langdon. Yeah, I really have a follow-up question to Commissioner McDowell's comments. Again, item two, our double I, um, and I totally understand the not limited to and wanting to have more specificity around that, but I'm looking at the initial language, imminent infrastructure or system failure. To me, that doesn't call up images of park equipment. It, it certainly, well, I don't know that it could. So I guess, I don't know if city attorney, if, if you want to weigh in on that, but when I read that, I think that introductory language sort of sets the stage for the range of items that could fall in that. That is correct as drafted Commissioner Langdon. So, you know, anything that falls within that subsection would have to qualify as imminent infrastructure or system failure. And if there's any question of interpretation, that would be a question for the commission. So maybe adding that, or is, would that by default come to us if there was a question? By default. Okay, that helps me, thank you, I yield. Okay, uh, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, um, 
I agree that the interpretation would come to commission, but again, I, I don't want it to get lost. The authority in this language is not spelled out who makes those decisions, and it really, really needs to be clear who is making these decisions. Um, the other, I forgot to mention one thing. When you go to the little three little eyes, it says capital improvement facilities for emergency and essential services, including, but not limited to, facilities for police, fire, fire district, road and drainage, solid waste. I think it's kind of redundant. Emergency and essential services, those are listed in those departments. So I think that language can kind of come out um, where it says capital improvement facilities for police department, fire department, road and drainage, solid waste, and utilities, I think is makes it clearly and concisely. And then it also absolutely removes the ability for parks, you know, or any other department or capital improvement <coughs> facilities. So I just wanted to share that too, and I apologize, I didn't, for, I forgot to include it with my initial comments. Okay, Commissioner Langdon. Yeah, I would be interested in my fellow commissioner's reaction to the 28 million um, per project. Are, are y'all comfortable with that? Does it seem low? Does it seem high? Um, to me, my initial reaction was that it was inadequate given the cost of things. So I just appreciate getting others' reactions to that. Um, Oh yeah, vice mayor. Uh, my question, response to your question would be, um, <laughs> where did the twenty-eight million come from? If okay. the, co the county model. Bingo. So the county model calls okay. for twenty-eight. They got projects at least as big, if not bigger. I mean, I would wonder when they made that decision yeah. and set that yeah. number. It could have been ten years ago. I believe so. it was lower, wasn't it? Years ago, and then they they skipped it up over time. I don't think it started at twenty-eight. I think they were quite a bit lower, but then they adjusted it, if I remember the conversation. But I'm I'm kind of good with the 28. I mean, if this is the direction we choose to go, um, you know, it's per project. And, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Our Deputy City Attorney, Michael Golan, has worked very closely on this matter. And I think he'd like to weigh in on the dollar amount. Okay. I would love to. Thank you. <laughs> the city's the county's charter says 17 million, but it's mm -hmm. increased over the years, and now it's roughly about 28 million. Okay, thank you. All right, so Commissioner Langdon, did you want to? Well, I mean, if, if others are comfortable with that number, I certainly won't kick at it. Um, it's just so what if, if we had a project to. Um, improve our water structures again what would 28 million get us if on average they're 3 million to fix or replace and we have 69 of them now some have been fixed i mean it doesn't even come close now if we defined a project as five water structures and then the next year there's a new project with five more water structures to me that feels like playing a shell game <laughs> I'd, I'd rather bite the bullet and say things cost, I'm just throwing out a number of 50 million, and I don't know what the number is. It just, my gut was 28 is a little low given what's happened to construction costs over the past three or so years, four in, years. Still answering 
your question before the others. I didn't mean to jump ahead of anybody, but it, it, I guess I should have said it when I said it is, is let's face it, up until now, probably going back to, to, to when general development probably got this into the original set of documents for this city, every single dollar of borrowing requires citizen a vote. We're asking our citizens to give us an amount of money which they would allow us to invent this city, assuming we're responsible enough to figure out how to pay for it and watch their dollars. So to ask for more than what the county, which is a what $2 billion budget, to ask for more, it's not a matter, the way I look at it, as is this going to be adequate for a project or not? If we need to borrow 50 million or by God, 122 million for a police building, <laughs> right. I think we ought to go ask the people for that. Yeah. You know, once the city leadership proves that it is fiscally responsible and that it only borrows money when it absolutely needs to for the right reasons, then maybe in future generations, long after I'm popping up daisies, you know, the citizens may say, you know what? Northport's leadership is so incredible that we're good with 50 million or 70 million. Right now, 28's a reasonable ask. I mean, it could be any number. It's it's an arbitrary number, but at least it was guided by what the what the county said. So that's why I'm good with it. I, I just think we gotta remember we're asking the citizens to trust us, believe in us. And so you gotta ask for a number that's has some bearing on what other municipalities or counties are doing. That's why 28. Just that's to be why aware, the county could come back in six months and that's up right. that number. So, yeah. They so, could. They could. Um, and again, if the general sense is 28 is the reasonable number, I, I'm good with it. I just wanted to have the conversation. Sure. And it's, I, it's great. Commissioner Emmerich. Yeah, when I had my one-on-one, -on -one, I had thought that the 28 was a little low because of the construction costs, but it is a starting place and it right. does show continuity with the county and we're not trying to overstep their boundaries or anything. And like Vice Mayor stated, we are asking for the Citizens Trust to be able to do this. It's a starting point and uh, we'll see how it would come out in, in the votes because we do need different types of funding sources coming to play, especially with with our the way that we're going in the future. And I do want to keep the citizens involved in that. But sometimes you do have unknown emergencies, like look at when Ian came through. And if it were to happen now with our funds depleted, we would have to have an emergency avenue to be able to take to possibly just feed some of our citizens throughout the, the crisis. So we do need to have something in place. The 28, I'm, I'm very happy with, and, and as long as it's with the county, you know, it's, it's the same. So let's start somewhere. Right, right. I just wanted to throw my two senses, sense, and I think it's about time that we had something in place like this. Absolutely. Um, and again, uh, we have a, a an elected uh, system here where people elect representatives, and that's what we're charged with doing. Um, and I know that not everybody agrees with all of our decisions at one time, but you have to have faith. And uh, when you give somebody a job to do and say, we need this done, um, like when I 
give somebody a party budget. I don't expect them to call me for every little thing that they're buying. I, I get told you what I want. This is what we need to do and, and do it. And um, yeah, I would, uh, I think we have, I know we have a very competent staff to do that. And again, I've seen my sheriff staffs through the, the decades I've lived here and I have so much confidence in our professionalism and that they're not gonna bring forth something ludicrous for to use $28 million for. Um, it's very specific what it could be used for. Um, and I, I just think it's about time that we have this this outlet um, in here. So, Commissioner McDowell? Yeah, um, I hear what you're all saying and I understand that this is gonna go to the voters and ultimately they will say yes or no. And I think going from zero, because they have to approve everything that we incur for debt and ask them to go to $28 million is a big ask for, you know, to be able to prove to them that we're responsible, $28 million is, is a big ask. Um, a few of you may not know, but there was a referendum for a new pool to, to fund a new pool. And while I understand it says here, imminent infrastructure system failure, the pool for the Northport old pool would have fit under this. And if you have the wherewithal to say, hey, we're gonna use this new bonding uh, and, and um, debt ability, and it's under the $28 million for a new pool, I'm sorry, the citizens are not gonna agree that you spent the money wisely when we have infrastructure needs for water control structures. So, I think that the dollar amount is too high. I think it should be a little bit lower, probably like around 15 million and work our way up um, and have a starting point that might be a little bit more palatable for the citizens. But at the end of the day, they may even decide 15 million is too high and they may, may decide, no, we're not relinquishing our ability to say no to issuing debt. So I, I just don't want anyone to lose sight on the overarching, it's not the dollar amount we set. Yes, we're setting it as that starting point, but we have to make sure that that dollar amount is going to be comfortable with the people that are going to approve this. If you go much higher, <laughs> I don't need to remind any of you how, how it went with the last election when we were talking about contracts. And they said, absolutely not. And that was a resounding uh, vote of no. So I, I just, um, I hope everybody is going to take that into consideration. And um, I, I, if $28 million is what the will of the board is, then I'm not gonna stand in the way. Uh, the voters are going to be the ones that are gonna say yes or no. Okay, Vice Mayor? Absolutely. It's going to be ultimately the citizens, which is why, Commissioner McDowell, you're definitely going to be, once you get it and understand it thoroughly, going to be, without a doubt, one of the biggest supporters for permissive referendums because none of the citizens relinquish $1. If we want to borrow $10 and they don't think it's good, get a petition and stop us, force it to a public referendum, and that's what's great. I also, I do have the I concerns like you do about the 28 mil. You gotta have a starting number somewhere. 
We've not yet got to the point. We may have worked through some of this language, but I can tell you this. I personally, before I can make a personal decision on whether or not to support a charter amendment that's been proposed by the Charter Review Board, I want to see um, permissive referendum come before this commission as a secondary option because I believe that the citizens would support because they never give up control for any amount of money as opposed to asking. And that's a good mid-step. Maybe 10 years from now, there can be a charter amendment that gives us a body of dollars. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't support 28 million or 10 or 15 or whatever, but permissive referendums are an incredibly, I mean, it's just an amazing way to get what you need if what you need is righteous and the citizens support it. And it saves you time of going to referendum, it saves you time and money. But if they don't, they have the ability very simply to take it to a full referendum. What more could you ask? And so again, that's, I know I'm just on my soapbox, but thank you for everybody's comment on this subject because there's more to come. Right. Okay, so uh, city manager, do you have everything you need for this, or do we need some more direction? Do you need some more direction? Staff is going to come back, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Can I? Yes, go ahead, Commissioner. Yeah. So, are they coming back with the draft language, or are they coming back with some? alternative language based on my comments and my fellow commissioners' comments on what this draft language is missing and should say, or what what does it, when you say it's coming back, what does that look like? I have, they're coming back with scenarios to put this bond question on a ballot. Do I have that right? Is that what we decided on? Or? Well, then I'm going to ask for consensuses. <laughs> you should. Okay. Um, uh, I'll start off with the first and most obvious one to um, update the draft language to spell out who is given the authority to um, issue permissible debt. I would support that clarification. Okay. Yes. Okay. Who's given the authority? Yes, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'm a yes. That's a good answer. Yeah. Is that a yes? Yeah. Yes. So you have your consensus for that. Um, I will ask for a consensus to remove, but not limited to, and two a little i two two little eyes. So it's. Two A two, <laughs> I guess. Um, taking out that not limited to. That's the consensus, and if I may clarify, it's relating to the pool. It's relating to other needs that are not imminent infrastructure or system failures. I'm a no on that. In that, in little two I, the immediate infrastructure or system failure to me does not connote a pool. And similarly in three, 
um, you know, facilities for emergency and essential services. Again, a pool does not qualify for that type of category. So, so I'm a no on that one. Uh, and I, I agree with Commissioner Langdon. I'm a no on that. I don't think the pool scenario would come up. And I think if that happened, uh, we'd have pitchforks and, <laughs> and torches out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm a no on that. Yeah, the only I'm a no on it only because I think like city attorney's got a pretty good feel for like that. We're concerned about making sure that that's tight enough yeah. language in there. So I'm a no, but I, I think what we got, if it doesn't address it, they can tighten it up between now and then. I don't know that we need a consensus for it. Now, you want to weigh in? Yeah, I was a no on that one because we don't know what the exact crisis is going to be at the time. So we have to have availability to be able to discuss sure. it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was a no on that one. Okay. And I hear you. I'm just reminding you this charter sure. thing has to pass the citizens and it's going to survive all of us city attorney, city manager, and every single one of us. So that's why I was looking for a little bit of tightening up of language. Um, regarding the consent, I'd like to get a consensus to have, what is that called? ENR, Engineering News and Record Construction Cost Indexed, um, be every three years average. As opposed to every year okay. in, in the draft. Okay. Um, I'm a no on that. Um, I, I would just be concerned. I mean, look at what happened with the supply chain issues and COVID. In a very short period of time, the costs dramatically escalated. So if, if we make that time period too broad, then we put ourselves at risk um, for some variations, national variations that we might not be able to anticipate today. So I'm comfortable with indexing that on an annual basis. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a no. Only I'm going back to when we had our big turndown in the mid 2000s. Things changed drastically, like overnight. And um, to have something be a three-year average would be including when things were booming would be not accurate. So I'd have to be a no for that. I'll defer to subject matter experts to put it in there in the first place, so I'm a no. Yeah, I was a no as well because of the fact is, is you were saying that it may possibly go down if you're doing an average of three years, you could miss that window and then it'd be too late. So I was a no. What about putting a max on it? No. Is, is there an appetite to put a max on how much it can go up? Because, you know, this if you're going to do it yearly and you, you're, let's say you're at 31,500,000 based on annual increases and then it goes down one year, but then the next year it goes up exponentially, it, it, is there an appetite or a placing a maximum amount on there. I'm, I'm just throwing it out before I ask for a consensus because we really didn't talk about a maximum, you know, like our Save Our Homes has a maximum of 3% CPI, whichever is less, you know? So, so what if we were to put like a, a maximum of, I don't know, 
4% or maybe have staff come back with uh, scenarios about uh, a maximum amount. Go ahead, Vice Mayor. I mean, for what it's worth, how often in practicality are, are we every borrowing year. money for this? And maybe it is every year, but I kind of, I mean, I look at why are we commissioners sitting here trying to figure out a better way to craft this when we're not inventing this? This is something that everyone else uses to a greater or lesser degree. And why not just simply, I mean, our county does a pretty darn good yeah. job with a $2 billion <clears throat> budget. I got no real problem going with that. I mean, why are we trying to invent some new permutation of language for this approach as opposed to just going with it? I, I mean, the real salient issue is, yes, this has to pass mustard with our citizens. And, and believe me, when push comes to shove, that's all going to be about the dollar number. Yeah. They're not getting bogged down in the weeds because we can barely get bogged down in the weeds. So I, I just think it's a nothing burger. <laughs> sorry. Okay. So I've got two more I want to get. One okay. of them is um, if you look at B, they took out no general obligation shall be issued. I took out revenue bond because that is addressed in the language. But no general obligation, which is millage increases, shall be issued by the city unless approved by the voters. It's just coming out. That whole subject of general obligation is completely out of this language. And I think it needs to be put back in some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know what that looks like. So my consensus is to instruct staff to include no general obligation debt must be approved by the majority of the voters. I have a question. I'm not sure if it's for city attorney or a city manager. What all is included in general obligation besides a millage rate increase? Anything else? Is it? Yeah, I mean, city manager, did you want to respond? Deputy city attorney Michael Golan can respond to that as well. No, I'm fine. Go right ahead, man. So the difference with the general obligation is how you're the debt you're using to pay for that bond. So it has to come from everyone taxes. We have to under the Florida's constitution, we have to go to referendum for those for that type of debt. But everything general. is taxes. Everything we do is right, taxes. Revenue, revenue bonds, though, under Florida law, do not require. The, the referendum. General obligation, you have to go to referendum no matter what. Again, my, my point would be if um, general obligation is the same thing as a millage rate increase, then let's just say it. It's No, it's not the same as a millage rate increase. It's, it's not. It, uh, it would be a bond for something. How you pay for that bond would be it's determined. Independent of. Correct. Okay. Thank you for and that. And Michael, do you have any examples of of you know, how we would pay for a revenue bond as opposed to a general obligation bond, which would be the millage rate. Property taxes, for, for example. Well, that that's millage, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, maybe finance can help me. <laughs> general obligation, I'm not talking about revenue bonds. I'm talking about adding in general obligation debt. 
debt that is incurred using general obligations. Which is the ad valorem taxation. Yes. But I think the confusion on the board is, well, what is the other type of bond? What is a revenue bond and how do we pay for those? Revenue bond. No, my question was specific to the general obligation. And if that equals property taxes or millage rate, then let's just If you're going insane. to use those to finance the bond, then mm -hmm. yes. This, this part of the chart only deals with, with incurring debt and taking out the bond or a loan or something of that nature. In other words, paying for the bond does not necessarily automatically increase the millage rate. It could. It could. You could need to do that, but it's not, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks. So the consensus was to add in some type of language relating to general obligation debt must be approved by the voters. I don't know what that looks like. That would be up to the city attorney to work on, but that's what my consensus is. Because it's being removed. Well, again, may, I, may, no. I, may I speak mm -hmm. to that? Just this might be helpful in your debate. If you look at the subsection B and the new language that's there, it says that no debt shall be incurred except as provided. Well, no debt shall be incurred unless approved by majority vote of the voters of the city, except as otherwise provided below. So, what the language says in this draft is. You gotta have a vote unless it falls under these this exception, which is specific to um, you know, the, the items that are set forth. So we, we did not remove the language, we wrote it differently, but still addressed it there. Now, if you don't like that, that's fine. We can we can reshape that and work on it. But I did want to make sure that that you all saw that. Sorry, I just don't think it's that clear. You guys understand it because um, you wrote it. It's just, in my opinion, not that clear. And I'm looking for clarity in this matter with general obligation debt. If I may, no debt to me is a lot clearer than getting into the weeds of general obligation or revenue bonds. So I think that's pretty straightforward. Where are you for the consensus to remove that? So I, I think the way it stands now is fine with me. Okay. I wouldn't make any changes <clears throat> to it. So you're a no for the consensus? I'm a no. Again. Yeah. I'm a no as well. I'm just going to yield to our legal team that they uh, put things in place for a reason. When you add something, you have to sometimes take out other points, areas that referenced it, because it's going to be conflicting, so uh, I'm a no. Before I say yes or no, I'll ask city attorney, are you good with the language the way it is? We need it to be any different? I mean, in light of, of the observation Commissioner McDowell made. Anything? Certainly the language is legally sound. And I don't, I, I think if we're, if I'm interpreting it legally also from a basis of what does the plain language say, you know, it's statutory interpretation, I think that's also clear. However, you all need to be comfortable with the clarity, and it is true, we wrote it. So obviously it's going to be you know, clear to us, and we're looking at it through attorney's eyes. Now, this is your governing document, so it needs to, of course it has to be legally sound. But you know, you have to be comfortable with the language as well. <coughs> the short answer is yes, I'm comfortable with the language. I mean, you know, I mean, we don't have a consensus, so it doesn't matter, but, but 
for argument's sake, I would say is that I see see no real problem. It, it, I mean, understanding that we understand the state statutes are very specific regarding general obligation bonds, but the average citizen doesn't know that. And to be able for them, when they read this, after all, we do want them to vote for it. So it, it may have some value to be able to explain that to them in a sentence or so that general obligation bonds are not really being considered under the charter amendment we're asking for. Those are ruled by state statute and require a referendum. And however you want to say it, and certainly a lot briefer than I just did. But, you know, so I'm a yes, but we don't have a consensus. But I think it's maybe that'll change someone's mind. All right, Commissioner Emmerich? No. Okay. Last one. If you look at, and, and it's one little word, and I am always hung up on this one little word, uh, B1, very last sentence, it says, the city may not avoid the requirements in this section by separating a single spontaneous or concurrent project into parts to avoid the limitation. The word may is subjective. That means you can, you cannot. I think a much stronger language is the city shall not avoid the requirements in this section by separating a single project, blah, blah, blah. So my consensus I'm seeking for is to change the may to a shall in B1, last, the last line of that. I'm okay with May. Um, I, I get Commissioner McDowell's point, um, but I'm okay with May. Yeah, I would, um, if I can ask the city attorney, uh, what really is, in, in, in regards to this, the difference, I know that in our comp plan, we had lots of discussions years ago about the maze and the shalls, but it, eventually it comes down to the same, pretty much the same thing. There's a whole treatise written on may versus yes. must versus <laughs> mm -hmm. shall, and the guidance in, in legal writing for some years now has been to move away from shall, even though we see a lot of it in our code and our statutes. Um, I'm comfortable with the way it is. I'm also comfortable if you want to put shall if you prefer that. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of cities are still writing in that older style. So okay, yeah, I'm good with me, so I would be a no. Yeah, I'm just being difficult today. I am a shall because you know what? May is yep. like I may and I may not. And I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be we shall. I don't want to see this broken up. It's just a way to get around. And and it's been done before. Mm -hmm. Break the project up into it's a hundred million dollar project, <laughs> but we'll do it in increments of twenty-five million to get around it. So you know, again, goes back to what are we trying to do here? We're trying to get the citizens to trust us and support us and vote for this if this is, in fact, the charter amendment we bring forth. So I say every bit of leaning towards, like, making this as clear as possible and, and, and comfortable for our citizenry, the better. So I'm a shout, which means yes. Okay. I have no issues with changing it to shall. All right. Yeah, but 
we don't have a consensus. I know. I just I didn't have no issues so with it. When it comes back, I will be requesting it by motion. Motion. <laughs> just to let you know. Yeah. I guess because that's sort of a consensus. <laughs> it's a semi consensus. It's a unanimous consensus. It's our unanimous consensus. It's a guideline. It would be three to two, so <laughs> gives you an indication. Anything else? Commissioner That's McDowell? all the consensus I have. You all got your own. Help me out. I'll be happy. Okay. To... Um, I'm not seeing any any uh, lights on here. Anybody have anything else to add? This sounds like we this? gave we, we gave city staff plenty to work to with. work on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the lights are out. It's time to go. Okay. Home. They have their homework to do. Okay. Uh, public comment. Uh, yes, we do have one e-comment for this item. Okay. Uh, from Jasmine Bowman. City government should never be allowed a blank check to borrow funds, regardless of the circumstances. Any proposed borrowing of funds should be put to a citizen's vote for approval or rejection. And that's all. Okay. All right. So I think that is it. Uh, do, we, do we have any other comments? We're all set? We're all good? Okay. So it is 117, and I adjourn this meeting.